0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
1: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
2: Mowers, start your engines. It's the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SCN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
3: Good morning, Mowers. Good morning, Saturday morning, Mowers. We are here. I am here in studio. Uh, Adam is frantically pointing at his headphones uh, across the... It's not the Nullarbor. He's only in Adelaide. Uh, The man that hangs it on me for having uh, plenty of jobs uh, is doing his best Marcel Marceau impersonation. But we are here. The Saturday morning Mowers are back Nick Davis, and hopefully Adam Peacock very shortly will join us from Adelaide. We are, as always, brought to you by Toro Mowers. Whether you need to trim, blow, cut, or mow, Toro Mowers has a mower for you. And, of course, topsport.com.au, home of the best multis. And you will need those multis today, Uh, Magic Millions Day. There is a lot going on in the world of sport. We'll touch on that this morning. We will, of course, uh, talk to our esteemed colleague, Mr. Tennis, Adam Peacock, and Brett Phillips later on in the show with the Novak Djokovic saga that is rolling on in preview to the 2022 AO Australian Open. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving for anyone in sports journalism at the moment. Novak Djokovic, uh, Simon Kadic will be on the show. We'll be talking cricket. Uh, what happened down there on the first day, night of the Hobart test, the historic Hello. Ashes test. Adam. Did you say something? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, wow. I was just doing my show. It's my show. If, if oh, you sorry, want, I'll go away again. I was going really well. Uh, where was I up to? Simon Cadditch. Now, Adam, this, if I was nervous about Paul Ruse coming on the show, being uh, one of our guests, I'm even more nervous about uh, our, one of our guests coming on. Uh, Big, bad, bustling Barry Hall is coming on the show today, and I'm a little nervous. If Ruzy had a lot on me, this man, I sat next to him in a locker room for six years, uh, has a lot of dirt on me. Uh, our other guest on the show, Adam Peacock.
4: Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm, I've walked back in at the right time, haven't I, with Barry Hall on the show? Because I'm not going to talk about his boxing. I'm going to talk about <laughs> your former career and all these stories. Because <laughs> I've got a feeling, Nicholas Davis, he'll have a couple for me. Correct. Correct, I said. If you sit next to a man in a locker room
3: for six years, there's a lot that uh, there's a lot that goes on. Um, yeah, I'm nervous about this one. I'm nervous.
4: As you should be, absolutely. As you should be. So you mentioned those cricket guests. We've got on, uh, Bjorn Baker as well. Re- really want to touch on with uh, Bjorn about how you buy a horse. It's going on a bit up at the Magic Millions at the moment, and um, some of the stories about. Who you get, uh how you find the horse, um some of the shenanigans that go on behind the scenes about, you know, getting cobbling enough money together to buy the horse that you like. Um Bjorn will have uh Bjorn will have some good yarns, I'd I'd imagine. He's he's a pretty knockabout kind of guy.
3: I think he will. It's um there's a lot goes the magic means catalogue. It looks like two Bibles stuck together. It's a decent old catalogue and how you uh everyone walks around with their little pages marked up there it's a bit of um there's a, there's a bit that goes on behind the scenes up there, but I did speak about uh Novak and the gift that keeps on giving for any tennis or sports journalist uh at the moment the Novak Djokovic saga
4: oh yeah where do we start um I, I think at the moment he's being um interviewed by the uh, the border force or the uh, the immigration department I should say I should catch up it's not the border force that's done that's out of the way that he won but then we're into the second set now best of five it seems but yeah he's being interviewed now by the immigration department about what the next steps are from what I can understand out of the court case last night there seems to be a window where in his calendar between 2 p.m. this afternoon Melbourne time and 9 a.m. tomorrow that there's a question where he'll be, whether it will be a free man to walk around until he learns his fate or he gets chucked back in detention and he can't move and he can't do anything like he was earlier in the week at the uh, the Home Affairs Hilton up there in the north part of the Melbourne CBD, that, that ugly place with all the um, all the refugees who have been there for nine years, which in itself is a disgrace and itself a talking point. And maybe Novak tries to crawl uh, claw back some of the the ill will um, that's seemingly against him everywhere in Australia. And he comes out and and tells us what it's really like behind there, because I don't think um, general Australia is going to like what they hear when they find out what exactly is going on there. But anyway, that's by the by it's all about Novak and whether or not he plays the Australian open. Where do you sit with it? Nick As a a general sports fan. You look at it and you go, mate, just give it up. Or you think, Oh no, it's fair enough that he's trying to hang on and and do everything he can to play in this thing.
3: Uh, I think, I think he's got, every right to try and play but as more and more comes out I think it's I I think what what's going to happen is it it might save him from himself here and we give the old any publicity is good publicity I'm not sure if this is Australian Open and Tennis Australia and the powers that be there are, 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 are treating this as any publicity is good publicity it doesn't look good for anyone and I think the fact that if he doesn't get to play it might just save him from himself here as a sports person you want to play he wants to uh, I'm not this is not his last chance to to break the Grand Slam record by any means but I I just think this is an opportunity where I look I think early days people could have been off him and then there's been a bit of a groundswell for yeah maybe he's not that much of a, a bad guy and then I I remember it was sort of the the early covid days where people were critical about him going around and still playing tennis when the whole world was locked down and I think he's shown over the last little bit um that and I think Scott Morrison comment. no one is bigger than a team no one is bigger than a a, a tournament so it's um it's going to be interesting to see how that um see how that plays out um in regards to uh, Novak Djokovic, the number, and we're not talking about anyone here. We're talking about the number one seed um, of a tournament. He's been, he, he's in the draw. Um, what that happens on on that side of the draw, but we'll uh, we'll get to that after uh, after a quick break.
2: Whether you need to trim, blow, cut, or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Welcome back,
3: mowers. I'm getting the thumbs up.
4: I can hear. Yes, yes. Sometimes that's end. not a great thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> sometimes it's not. it's not. No, it's a very good point you make there, Nick. But uh, hey, it's good to be back. Finally, I think we're 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 cooking with gas now. We're humming now. I, we, think. We I think. Anyway, <laughs> hey, are. scoreboard time. Let's have a look at the scoreboard. Um, the cricket uh, evenly poised after day one, wasn't it, Nick? The, yeah, they unveiled a. a a billiard table down there in over. <laughs> it was good that the uh, the curators at Bellary Oval just walked out somewhere near the middle of the uh, of the oval and just chuck some stumps in. <laughs> it's it's Moas Club. They're they're obviously fans of the Moas Club. They just thought, oh, we'll just make a nice lawn and then hey, we'll play cricket on the best bit of it. Somewhere near the middle there. Somewhere so near no, the middle. To be fair, it, it turned out to be a really good wicket. like Travis Head made it and Marnus Labuschagne as well. They at one stage, three for nothing, pretty much, Australia. And you thought, oh, well, this is just a green top. This match will be over in a day and a half. But uh, yeah, Travis Head got his head together and then Marnus batted until he somehow got out the way he did. That, and he was, on his face. that was one of those wickets that many people around
3: backyards of Australia have probably yes. seen after a few uh, beverages were consumed, that that's how you can
4: get someone bowled around their legs. That was that was one of those that it... it, it it's like a beer spiller, like everyone's around the back watching the thing. And then someone does that and they're laughing so hard, beer goes everywhere. It's one of those in two years' time, you go, remember in the backyard on Boxing Day when little Marnus did that and fell front in his face? Oh, that was funny. And everyone laughs again. So that no, was an extraordinary dismissal. And Cam Green as well. He's obviously come good with the bat. So good day's cricket down there at, uh, at Bell Reeve or Blunstone Arena or whatever it's called. Whatever so it's called. looking forward to day two starting this afternoon, and you can hear it all here on SEN. Um, the tennis last night, so we talked about Djokovic before, but there's actually some tennis worth talking about as well yeah. in terms of on-court stuff. The Danasi Kokonakis um, down here, a local guy. I'm in Adelaide, and he's from Adelaide, and he beat Marin last night. It was 12-10 in the tiebreak in the third set. Such a good match, nearly three hours. So, yeah, that was that was awesome to watch. So if, if you look beyond the Guy called Novak, there's a bit to be interested in with the tennis.
3: Yeah, it's um, it, it seems to be building uh, the the summer of tennis and the Aussies. Oh, we're very quick, we're very quick to hail uh, the next champion of many sports uh, in as Australian uh, sporting public. But uh, Tanasi Kokonakis, Adam, is he? Give me some what are his expectations of Australian Open? Second uh,
4: second week? Uh, well he plays first round. He's he's got an okay first round. Second round, he's meant to play this bloke from Spain called Nadal. Uh, he, uh. But that that in itself, like he's on a he's on a long road back. He, he this won't define him, this actual tournament. He wanna to play well because he is playing well and take advantage of that. And that's when you've got to really make your you're high on the tennis tour when you're playing well. You 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 got to back it up with the results and not have unlucky losses and and get your ranking up. But he he's top fifty without question. The only problem is he's had injury after injury and he's never got a consistent run at it. Now he looks fit. Hopefully he can stay on. But as we sit here next year, I wouldn't be ridiculously surprised if he's got a seed next to his name, like a, a you know just sneaking mm-hmm. into the seedings, high twenties maybe thirty one, thirty two. He's that good. Like every, everyone respects him on tours. Just his body's let him down. So hopefully he can uh, maintain that. And Andy Murray up there in Sydney as well, doing a for ageless, ageless. doing it timeless. for the old
3: guys. But we're in a we're in a really lucky time in Australian tennis. We've got a future Wimbledon champion, um, Bernard Tomic, who's self-confident. <laughs> <Well>, it's just <laughs>
4: Australian tennis is just looking so good. Well, we do have a number one in the world. <laughs> In Australian tennis, in Ash Barty, so it is looking pretty good. Look, the, the men's It's side, unfortunate that these tool bags take the focus off poor Ash it Barty. Is. It is like you, the, I would say, and people look at tennis and go, "Oh yeah, they're a bunch of sport." That's a complete load of BS. I reckon there's ninety five percent of the Australian players. Are just normal people, and they're they're competitive, and yeah, they do the odd silly thing on court. But who doesn't do the odd silly thing when the heart rates at one hundred and eighty and they're frustrated? So, yeah, there's some really good, solid people, and just nice people as well. But Bernie goes out and does what he does the other day, plays with COVID, and you know, tanks can't keep up in the second set, and that gets all the headlines. Whereas there's so many other great stories going on at qualifying, and you know, in the in the draw here in Adelaide or up there in Sydney, and. It it is frustrating. It is frustrating, but that's it's part of the territory because it is a bit of a circus. The whole tennis tour.
3: Yes, it is. It is uh, the NBL. Uh, you can catch every game live on ESPN with KO. The uh, Melbourne United on a five uh, five consecutive wins. They're on fire. Chris Golding killing it.
4: Yep. And uh, tonight we've got the Brisbane Bullets taking on the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix at five thirty Eastern. The double hinder on Sunday: Illawarra Hawks and Melbourne United at one, and then the Sydney Kings take on. The Breakers as well, as you mentioned right there, catch every game of the NBL season, the biggest yet on ESPN and streamed on KO as well. The golf, a um, bit of golf happening as well. Jed Morgan up there at the uh, the PGA up in, uh, I think it's in Brisbane, is it not? Br- Yeah. Yep, in Brisbane. Um, he, uh, he's, um, he's got his mentors of um, Ricky Ponting and Graham Lloyd, the ex-New uh, York Yankees pitcher as well. So... He's a, uh, he's a good young golfer. Louis Doblar was leading after round one, and then this kid's taken over as well. So, again, um, there's some there's some bright prospects coming through in the men's game in particular. It's it's a bit of depth about Australian golf, which is good to see, and good to see they've been able to get a tournament on <coughs> as well, given everything that's going on. And uh, where are they this week in the States after Cam Smith and his mullet got things done last week? They're, They're a, still in Hawaii. Uh, still in Hawaii. The Sony Sunday Open. Open Sony it? Open, yeah.
3: and he's played well there too. So, Cam Smith, what a start to the year for him.
4: Fantastic, and then he got to play with Mark Wahlberg in the pro am as well. So, if there's anyone that you'd like to rock up and play in the pro am with, then now if you don't know, if you're not across your golf, the pro am is used as a sponsor's kind of exhibition before the tournament through the week, and generally speaking, they get celebrities and you know sponsors to play and famous sports people to play with the pros. That's why it's called a pro am. You play in a group with one pro. Um, who would you uh, who would you like to see? be drawn with? Great
3: question. Will Farrell? I'd love to play golf with Will Farrell. That would be
4: funny. (laughs) (laughs) He probably
3: wouldn't take videos of me when I was half in the fetal position. (laughs) (laughs) On the the 70th hole.
4: (laughs) Of the longest day. I'd probably have to go Michael Jordan because I'd like to see what would trigger him if you threw a bit of trash talk back at him? <laughs> if, he, got, if he'd still have it?
3: Yeah, if you've got full pockets, I hope if you played a problem <laughs>
4: with him from the
3: stories that get around about MJ's golfing and his exploits on the uh, on the punt there,
4: you might have to have deep pockets. Exactly, exactly. So uh, that's the sports update at the moment. Now we're going to be joined by uh, Royalty shortly um, because it's a massive day, isn't it, Nick, up at the Gold Coast. Um, they're all up there, even though the... the Omicron's tried to uh, temper everyone's enthusiasm. I'm seeing a, a bit on my social media feeds of people up there on the Goldie um, enjoying things for Magic Millions Carnival. You've, you ever got up there for it?
3: No, I haven't. I haven't. It's always sort of been that uh, first or second week back of training, and uh, I normally didn't <laughs> report that well back after Christmas and mm. New Year's training. So I was in uh, I was in Fat Club normally on the weekends coming back after Christmas. So I didn't couldn't get to the Magic Millions, but it's been a carnival that is set itself apart now it's uh well and truly on the on the landscape and as said, we'll talk to bjorn baker about it um later in the show but uh, if you've got a horse up there uh, a magic millions horse um, trainers and owners are, are setting these horses for this rich 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 uh race day um you can uh, you can get your purchase price back and some uh, if you can get one to salute up there either last week on the on the wave weekend or, or this weekend on the actual Magic Means Day.
4: Well, joining us right now is Tristan Merlihan, who knows all about Magic Millions Day, I'm sure, from topsport.com.au. Uh, Tristan, Happy New Year, mate. Great to have your company. Happy New
5: Year. Good to be back for a new year. Very excited to be chatting to you both, as always. And, yeah, big day up here on the Gold Coast. The weather's perfect, as always, up here. And, um, yeah, going to be a really, really good day of racing. Plenty of cash on the offering. And, uh, yeah, all the superstar jockeys and trainers are up here. And I'm just trying to stay out of trouble in the evenings.
3: Hey, Lord, when you <laughs> saw uh, Marcus and, uh be dismissed <laughs> last night, did that just you, – you go, that's not that hard to do. I've done that in indoor <laughs> cricket plenty of times.
5: Yeah, that wouldn't even be my top five. That one, that was, uh, <laughs> that, was that was that was something I'd be i work out. I got close to that one, so yeah, it was uh, one one of the one of my best dismissals actually. I know you guys like taking the Mickey out of my cricket, but I, I went out to bat when I was at school. I was in the uh, year twelve and wearing my glasses looked like Harry Potter going out to bat. And um, <laughs> the uh, the bloke down the other end, he never got a fifty. And he was on forty nine not out. I had to see off one ball left in the over. I was the number eleven bat, and he goes, oh, "This is a leggy, spinning away from you." So one ball left in the over. Down comes the, the ball, and it was a wrong, and I've just left it. to go gone crash in the middle stump, and off we trudge. He gets 49-odd out. I, I still reckon it was his fault, though. Yeah,
3: he gave you a wrong intel. <laughs> <laughs> he gave you absolutely wrong intel. but uh, Tristan, up on the Gold Coast. What's, uh, give us a weather report. You would have been out. You would have walked the track this morning, all that sort of
5: business. What, yeah, have uh, they done
4: the proper mowers club bar duty out there at um, yeah. Southport? Or?
5: Yeah, I reckon you'd be proud of the track. It looks really nice. I was a bit worried after last week because there was a bit of rain around uh, the week of the, the lead into the wave weekend, but um, it looks perfect. We've had really good weather the last four or five days, so the track looks in pristine condition. Um, it was a bit cluggy up the inside there last week, so I think it's going to be very fair surface, which um, is, is going to be interesting because has drawn really wide in the in the feature. It's drawn barrier ten, so it's a it's a race where there's just so much pace on and so much pressure early. It is difficult to get across, but it is probably does have links on this field. So it's just interesting how this race is going to stack up now because if it does get caught wide, it brings all the other horses into contention. But I think the track's going to play very fairly. I think uh, all the Mowers Club listeners will be very, very proud of the surface.
4: Brilliant. They've obviously used the nitrogen on it just to give it a little boost through the week. And, you know, it's like mine at home, Nick, we'll, we'll talk about it with Ducky Bollinger after mine at home is just like a forest after three days. It's remarkable. Anyway, no one really cares about that right now. They want um, something out of Tristan for Magic Millions. Um, have you got something that springs to mind? We'll, we'll touch base later in the show, I think. But uh, anything that really springs to mind that um, can attract a bit of attention today up there on the Goldie or elsewhere in Australia?
5: Yeah, no, well I I think in the in the feature I I think the favourite is a touch under. So I I'm looking at Russian conquest to cause an upset there. It's the second pick, it's been seven fifty into six fifty, got the uh barrier four, which is gonna be perfect. Um but the one I reckon if Pundas wanna have one bet to give themselves a bit of cash in the lead into the uh to the features, if you go to race four number seven, J Mac and Marin Eustace, the same combination as Cool and Gadda, it's four dollars forty into three sixty. I think it'd be very hard to beat Snap answer. It's um was close last start, second up it's gonna I think it's gonna improve. So that might get everyone rolling. Race four number seven Dancer.
4: Snap dancer, there you go. Nick, have you got anything? No,
3: I've got my multi.
5: Have...
4: Now, on the Saturday morning Mowers Club, it's
5: time for Nick's stupid multi.
6: What are you stupid? What's the matter with you? Are you stupid or something? I'm as stupid as a stupid
1: does. Are you crazy? or just playing stupid. Are you stupid or something? Stupid is a stupid does, sir.
3: Now, Lord, uh, my first multi of the year. Uh, mm. Do I get anything? I had, I got the upset. The Brisbane Heat defeated whoever they were playing when they, and then the second game was washed out. <laughs> whoever yeah, well, playing.
5: you did get you got 137 yes. in kick for that one, so we do get the uh, get a little bit of cash back. So the balance is up over 2,000 now. So <laughs> we're ticking along in the right direction. So once you get your lob your multi today, and, and everyone is always waiting for for Adam's special on the races, we we might be able to tick it along and uh, yeah contribute. Getting ready for the, uh, the the next big golf day too.
3: Beautiful. I'm looking forward to that. But my multi this week is going to be featured and centered around the NFL playoffs NFL playoffs start this weekend and my team the mighty Las Vegas Raiders against all odds there has been more happening there than at Novak Djokovic's hotel uh the Las Vegas Raiders uh Just nothing $2 the, well there's been a lot going on down there <laughs> behind the scenes. These legal
4: legal team put it
3: that way anyway The Las Vegas Raiders, $2.94 on topsport.com.au to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. I think my Raiders can go into Cincinnati and get the win and cause an upset. Uh, The other games I think are pretty, the favorites are pretty good there. Maybe San Francisco, but my other one, I think the Arizona Cardinals, $2.61 on topsport.com.au can go to L.A. and upset the Rams. They beat them earlier earlier on in the year. Matt Stafford hasn't got the greatest record when playing in the playoffs, who is now the Rams coach. He was at the Detroit Lions. So I think the Las Vegas Raiders can cause an upset, and I think the Arizona Cardinals can cause an upset. What price have I got there, Lord? $7.67,
5: $7.67, so yeah, it does look like, what What about that game? I know we got a lot of messages about the Raiders <laughs> sneaking into the playoffs there last start. It was like a bit of a nerve-wracking uh, last period, but yeah, $2.94 against a team that, you know, Cincinnati's on the up. They've got a lot of young kids as well, so... Um, I think the Raiders are a big chance and yeah, that, that Arizona game looks to me at, at best a 50-50 mm. so getting 260-odd about Arizona I think is a good bet, so $7.67 I'm on the same wavelength as you as well I reckon San Fran is going to be very hard to beat 233 in that game, oh, I think that should be a lot closer to pick and really good round of footy, hopefully uh, all these games can live up to the last game we saw in the regular season, because the um, it it's it's been a good season so far
3: just quickly touching on that did you hold because adam you probably don't know because you don't care about the nfl but that last game the raiders and the san diego chargers just Saw needed that. just needed a draw if they mm-hmm. drew they both went through to the playoffs and the steelers the pittsburgh steelers were out so it went to overtime. It went to overtime, and there was a fair hold. I saw some mm. stuff, Tristan, over social media. There was a fair hold around some uh, betting companies around the world on the game actually being a draw.
5: Yeah, well, we we, we dodged that. We we we, uh, we we actually wanted the Raiders. But the thing I still cannot understand for the life of me, and I don't even know if it's been explained properly, it was why did the Chargers co- coach call a timeout when he did? If he didn't call out, the game probably peters out to a draw, and uh, and they both go through. It was a very, very strange decision, that one. And in the end, uh, it was a gutsy, gutsy call from the Raiders to kick the field goal and got through. But, yeah, it was a fascinating game. I'm sure all Pittsburgh uh, Steelers fans would have been sitting on the edge of their seat. And, uh, uh, yeah, ben, Big Ben gets to go around for one more week.
4: He does. Tristan, we'll touch base a bit later on, and um, I'll have my roughy, uh Got to look at the form guide first to work out what I'm going to throw. The, he's got uh, to go. He's
3: got to go to the studio in Adelaide, Find a couple of darts that he can throw <laughs> at the form guide.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Thanks, Tristan. We'll speak soon.
5: See you guys.
4: Tristan Mullahan from topsport.com.au. By the way, Nick, you'd love the offices down here in uh, South Australia and the Adelaide office, which is right in the CBD here. It's a very exposed site on King William Street. Uh, they have got Tim Tams in the, uh, in, the <laughs> over, nothing, in the cafeteria. No before midday. Yeah, you wouldn't survive. Have
3: they got a pie warmer there?
4: (laughs) You wish. (laughs) Here's the news. Back soon.
2: Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Yeah, good to have you company, Adam Peacock, Nick Davis, all thanks to Toro Mowers, the best mow you can have. And check out their range online as well now joining us is a man who knows all about cultivating grass of the growing kind the sir walter and everything like that is doug bollinger part of the crew as well here at sen for our cricketing summer dougie how are you mate
1: good morning gentlemen
4: oh slow start for doug he's usually Barreling in you with like a it? Whole that was my enthusiasm. that was my that was my Richard Mercer impersonation.
7: <laughs> 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 Very good, <laughs> Douglas. You, you've been doing haven't it. You
1: blokes, haven't, you, a... haven't you blokes had the sack yet? Because I, I was so good when you guys were away. Hey,
3: you've <laughs> had a crack at every time slot here at SCN over the last month. You no wonder you've got your Richard Mercer on. <laughs> exactly right, guys. I'm trying to reach
1: to the people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Very there good, he Douglas. Is. How would you have liked to stand at the top of the run, Douglas, and just look <laughs> yeah, and what's just going on, gentlemen? And just look. You stand Standing down there in Tasmania, Bell Reve, Blundstone, and just trying to look at, go, where is the pitch down there? And they're like, Dougie, just aim at the... There's no, Normally, there's a little bit of brown where I can aim at. There's just three pegs down the end. What did you make of the wicket, Doug?
1: I thought it was awesome. It was great to see a wicket like that, eh? And you know what? I reckon Joe Root was shattered when, was it, Ollie Robinson had back stiffness or something like that. So that just sums up his tour, doesn't it? But I thought it was great. And Travis Head just, just played through the line. It was good to see him get hundred.
3: Doug, do you reckon the the talk around it, and then when they unveil the pitch and how green it is, that you can, as a top order batsman, that they talked himself into look the pitch did a bit, but look Warner was pretty negative in in his dismissal. Kawaj is the same. The top order or well, Marnus yeah. fell over, uh, and then Travis that was said, hilarious, wasn't it? That <laughs> was, was so hilarious. funny. But did the top order well, sort of talk himself like into that. it? <laughs> yeah.
1: I haven't. Even, I don't think I've looked that stupid on the uh, cricket field, <laughs> on the golf course. I was going to say. I'll tell you later after 19. But um, now I reckon early on, like it's pretty fresh wicket. I think the ball was doing a bit, so they were probably just trying to be a bit, a bit tentative around the new ball. Um, you know, probably trying not to do what they did, try and nick early. But um, don't believe it, There was some good bowling early, but obviously it came a bit undone when Travis Head and and his fellow blokes uh, started to get some runs. But yeah, as a quick, you're always, you're dying for a wicket like that every now and then.
4: I've seen, um, and you would have played on them, Dougie, that wickets like that in Hobart, October Shield, you know, they're, they're still in winter down there in Hobart. They come out of winter a bit later yep. than the rest of us. So a wicket like that is not unusual. It's very, very green, especially for January as well. So how's it traditionally going to play out from now? Is Australia get to 300 and they're a massive chance, or is that not enough because it really flattens out on day two and three?
1: Yeah, I, I've made over my past experience. We we had played a shield game there years ago, and we got bowled out for sixty four, and then we were like two for five hundred. So um, that's you know that can happen now and then. I, I think the the wicket like that will always be doing something because there's just so much grass in it it can't. Um, especially when those guys stand the seam up. But I think once you get in and once you know the conditions, exactly what Travis Head did. You know he he just played the conditions and and got right behind the ball. So. Um, I reckon if you just bowl a well, you'll definitely get wickets and you pitch it up.
3: Now, Doug, the Manus Labashane dismissal, we, we can talk about the dismissal, but well, I want to talk about what happens after and, and, and how long before you can start sort of sniggering in
1: the change room. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon they done it straight away. As soon as he walked in, it didn't straight it away. It. As soon as he took his pads and that off, straight into him. <laughs> Straight into him because how many how many times in the change room do you reckon they replayed that last night?
4: (laughs) Did you see his tweet? Did anyone see his tweet? Yeah, it was a good one. No, I'm not on social media, mate. I get called up in the open. (laughs) Well, Dougie, he goes, he he quoted Not as cool as you, Peacock. He goes, oh, he put in quotations. How'd you go today? Yeah, it just got done by a good one <laughs> with the photo yeah, of him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not that i not had been watching Fred Astaire videos the game before or anything like oh, that, but it's it great. But, you know, that's, that's a, that, he'll take that with a grain of salt. I think he'll like that, everyone kind of laughing with him and at him because that's, that's what you need in, in a team sport. But, yeah, it was it was good to see. Who's the, you, Doug, Doug, just or... quick,
3: who's the biggest in your time, who's the bloke that when he gets out, or <laughs> that you just go, oh, let's just keep away from him for an hour or two. Who, who was the biggest batsman that come in and M- chucked the Mar- biggest wobblies?
1: Michael Bevan was pretty good. <laughs>
4: <laughs> really? he took it a bit too seriously, did he? Or?
1: Uh, 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 no, I think he's just a just a pretty, you know, very passionate, very, very strong character in his batting and all that, and obviously hated getting out, which a lot of batsmen do, but you, you need guys like that in your team because they they just show the the, the other side of you know. I never really took batting too seriously, and um, but it just shows how good he was. But yeah, he was always good to to if you're you know, if you're in the toilet or something, and he gets out. It's good to listen to him in the background.
4: So good, so good. Um, do you trust England to be able to get over 300 in an innings at the no. moment, Doug? That's incredible, isn't it? It's it's sad, isn't it, mate?
1: Oh, I, 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 mate, I would have loved, I would have loved this test, you know, being two all, you know, right down to the wire, you know, it, it would have been unbelievable, especially down in Hobart. It looked like they had a good crowd last night, but it wasn't meant to be. But you know, it's it's one of those winners. Of, what do they say? Winners have parties, losers have meetings, and and Australia just got to get these five days out of the way, and then then it's all it's all done and dusted for a couple of years. So it would have been nice to be two all, but that's that's the life of sport.
4: Pakistan, Doug, if you're a player, are you putting your hand up to say, yeah, I'll go? No problems.
1: I I went on the last tour there on an Aussie A tour and I got five for 15 at Lahore. So, you know, I'd love (laughs) the place. So you're there. <laughs> I'm there. I'm, my mind is mentally I'm already there. Just like mentally right now, I'm almost at Stonecutters Ridge Golf Club.
4: <laughs> is that code for please end this call because I've got a I've a warm up? Oh, no,
1: no. I don't tee off till 11.30, but I might get there about 10, quarter past 10 for three or four schooners before I tee off.
3: <laughs>
1: Doug, Doug,
3: what's happening? See, see what's...
1: How, I'm, how am I not a good fit for this radio station? <laughs> Just sign me up. <laughs>
3: Doug, what's happening on the lawns? What's happening in the world of lawn care? For uh, everything, you?
1: everything growing out of sight. Everything growing. I'm mowing twice a week. Um, just trimming my buffalo on level level eight or level nine, and trying, cutting my green cooch on level four twice a week. Plenty of water around. Plenty of humidity.
3: Are you double cutting. Our our man Joel Kane, host of Drive, has just been bombarding Adam and myself. Yeah, with it's his uh,
1: with his lawn with his lawn
3: care. It does look good.
1: Yeah, if you've got a barrel mower, it is, it is good to – Scott Bonner barrel mower – it is good to double, double, um, double cut because that kind of tightens up the grass. Um, it takes a bit of extra time, but the more you cut, actually, to, it sounds silly, but the more you cut, the less time it will take because you're not actually picking up much, you know, um, grass. You're more cleaning the lawn. Um, but, yeah, if you want to double cut, absolutely.
4: So take us through the, th- the, the theory of the double cut for those who are are not sure, who might want to try it today, um, this morning or
1: something. So so double cut, you go up one way and then back the same way.
4: (laughs) So up one and back two.
1: So one and two is L double. L double. But do you you take the catcher off for one of them? No, 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 keep it on, mate. You just got to go up and back the same line, then move on the next one. And what that does, that kind of binds the grass together and thickens it up. So it's actually quite good.
4: Yeah. I um I had an issue before I left on well, my final cut before I uh took off on this tennis sojourn for a couple of weeks was the fact that I uh backyard and it, you know you're going along with the mower and it you bump something and then it it automatically takes the takes it down a couple of runs oh
3: no that's a disaster so
4: in the middle of my I've got a cricket, I've got a mini cricket pitch in the middle of my backyard where he's it's like sharp, a, it, it he's was done sharp, on a six, yeah, and I scalped through. it on a two. Yeah. <laughs> did your, hair,
3: did did your hairdresser that? have the same issue with your hair, Adam, as well? <laughs> just on either side of my table. Hey, 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 Davis. hey, hey, hey! hey. I hey, didn't
1: say hey, Bollinger. Well, I did not well, say Bollinger. Well, well, Davis. Let's just, I did let's not, just not say Bollinger. Manger, right? Come
4: on! I did not say <laughs> Bollinger. <laughs> I've got one of those crop circles on the back of my head as well. That's like it's a UFO's landed there. the old Devon haircut, eh? The old Devon
1: haircut. At least you're not cowering on the floor today, grey as anything this time, Peacock. You you sound good.
4: Yeah. No, that was all oh, wow, remember that. That was back in March I when do, I do because um... I was
1: running the show. See, I'm even a host. Like yeah. what's going on? I'm running well, a was... household, I'm running a business, I'm playing golf, I'm running radio stations, I'm doing cricket, mate. I'm, I'm like one of the Karen's that are going around at the moment. That just is
4: so busy. <laughs> is it by the way, is it could that be a uh, could that be the the male Karen. Like everyone's saying, Oh, that you know, everyone labels a, a Karen as a, someone who uh, comes up Kevin's at the drop of hat. Is it Kevin? It's not a Doug, is it? Okay. Fair
1: enough. No, not yet. I'll let you know when there is, all right.
4: Fair enough. Um Doug. Dougie, thanks for joining us, mate. Yes. Hit him well this afternoon. Count every, every shot. Well.
1: Count every shot, Doug. <laughs> nah why would I do that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> thanks, if mate. We'll like, catch you soon.
1: You, you know, if you kinda of have if you don't have thirty six, you have like thirty two or thirty three, you can get away with it. But you're having like 39 and cheating, people kind of get caught onto it, you know?
4: Yeah, don't do that. Doug, thanks for joining nah. us, mate. We'll hear you very soon on SEN, no doubt. <laughs> thanks, team. Have a good one,
2: fellas.
4: <laughs> Back with more Mowers Club after this.
2: Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Yes, welcome back to the Mowers Club. Thanks to Toro Mowers, uh, And obviously, we're looking forward to the Australian Open starting next week. There's a couple of lead-up tournaments, their finals today as well. But the story that's hogging everything, Nick Davis, is Novak Djokovic. And at the moment, as it stands right now, he's in a hearing. And he's about to go into a procedural hearing in about 20 minutes' time, which will lay out kind of the menu, if you like, for the actual hearing tomorrow, which will take place Sunday in Melbourne, so there's still a bit of confusion about where he's going to be held in between you know he's in his lawyer's office right now and then they're going to have another meeting and and carry on with that and they don't want the circus that they had the other day when he came out of the building and um you know it all kicked off out the front there in Melbourne but uh that where he's going to be held is he going to be able to practice he's going to be a free man and then there's the the thought and um justice of uh, a lawyer um by the name of Quill went on uh channel seven moments ago saying that he he reckons it's a sixty forty chance that he, he has the injunction while they sort it all out. That injunction can go two, three weeks. What what happens then? Is he is he allowed to walk the street? So there's so many questions to be answered still that goes on and on and on. We touched on it earlier in the show. Nick, are you at the point where you're over it, you just want a resolution or are you fascinated by the, the twists and turn in this uh this saga?
3: Ah uh, no, I'm completely over it. Um, again, and you quite eloquently stated in the break that you're not a lawyer, and neither am I. And I've got no like it. To me, it's, and I know lawyers can tie things up and and do whatever they want to do and try and find the legal loopholes through all these things. It's a pretty, to me, it's a pretty black or white decision. You're either if he's allowed in, he plays tennis. If he's not allowed in. Get rid of him straight away. Mm. Um, and it, it, if he if it's going to be an injunction and it, it g- cut, goes over two weeks and he can't play tennis, well, is he now just going? Well, I just want to prove myself right, or should he just skip town and go? Listen, yep, I tried to get in, it didn't work. Um, I'll get out of here and 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 save face. But um, as I said earlier in the show, it, it's become a bit of a a thing, um, there was that stuff earlier on in the, in the pandemic where he was still playing his, his, um, his tournaments and Nick Kyrgios, I think had a swipe at him and a few had a swipe at him for those tournaments that he was playing early on in, in the COVID pandemic. And now, you know, the the stuff that the, that's coming mm-hmm. out, whether he was the, the dates that he's given for his positive when he was positive, And then he was out at, at events and doing this, that, and the other, um,
4: Yeah, In retrospect, I think Tennis Australia maybe look at it and go, you know what, we should have just had the rule, if you're vaccinated, come on down. If you're not, sorry, not this year. And we'll wait for the next 12 months to see how the world looks like in 12 months' time. But the current environment, and when they were organising all this, we didn't have this wave that we're having right now. And it's coincided with the frustration Australia not being able to get a rat test mm-hmm. being told to go and get a rat test to see if you're positive don't worry about the PCR because the lines are longer than your arm and <laughs> it's all kind of converged on this frustration in the general community about what we can and can't do and then oh here we go we've got something to take our frustration out on right here look at this guy he's coming to the country unvaccinated and he's trying to jump through hoops to be able to play a little tennis tournament and Yeah, there's so much on the line for Novak, and he's only seeing it through his fear, which is, if I win this, I've got 21, I've got 10 Australian Opens, and the bonus is probably 10 to 15 million with all the sponsors on top as well. So he and and he thinks he's he's got every right. He's got
3: every right to to say that I want to play. If he's if Tennis Australia or whoever said, yep, you can come in as you can get an exemption on these grounds, and he's like, okay, well, if he actually can, if he's gone and made updates when he was. COVID positive, that's a whole different situation. But he's turned up to Melbourne airport and gone, Well, these are my exemptions, I can get through on this. I think there's been a, a a couple of um a couple of people in sporting bodies haven't quite read the room um of what's been happening uh in Australia yeah. and the world over the last <laughs> twelve months and have tried to just the the competition would have been fine. The Australian Open would have been fine, uh if he was not
4: Plane. I'd love. I don't think we'll ever find out. But two things I'd love from the government's perspective to find out is, firstly, Karen Andrews, who's the Home Affairs Minister in the first place, what triggered the all of a sudden interest in Novak. It was the big thing for me was Novak. His initial Instagram post: "Hey everyone," which was written by an, an advisor. Still no excuse. It's his his social media. Hey everyone, oh, I'm so excited. I'm coming down because I've got an exemption. Um, exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Party emoji. And then, in the while he's in the air, Karen Andrews, the Home Affairs Minister, goes, comes out with this preemptive statement. Doesn't mm. mention the specific player, but says, "Oh, we're going to make sure we're tough on our borders, everything like that." That that's the big red flag for <laughs> Novak when he gets in, and the second one as well is Alex Alex Hawke, the Immigration Minister. So this week's conundrum for Novak is, you know, the Immigration Department dumping it at 6 o'clock and also letting the media know 10 minutes before he actually let Novak's legal team know that, guess what, pal, you're gone. You're deported before the appeal happened last night. But you're dumping it at like 10 to 6 on a Friday night. It's the old Friday dump. If if you've got bad news, dump it late on the thing. And and giving the legal team as little time as possible to try and configure a, a case to counteract the decision to try and get Novak on the court. it was. I'd, I'd be fascinated to, to to hear more about the strategies behind there and what went on behind the scenes from the government point of view because, no doubt, a little bit of politics has, has come into this whole saga as well.
3: Oh, no doubt. I, mean, I tell you what, he's been doing a lot of practicing. <laughs>
4: yeah. what, the... what about him? As soon as he was released, 11 o'clock, bang, straight to Melbourne Park, have a hit. I'm, I'm no doubt as well this morning because he doesn't know what's going to happen today. He would have had a hit at 6 a.m. I would say in his open window. No, he was. He was allowed to. My word is that he he, he stayed in Turak last night. So I I dare say that a lot of houses in Turak would have tennis courts in the backyard. (laughs) This is true. This is true. This is
3: absolutely true.
4: It's a fair way away from the old Home Affairs Hilton where he was staying earlier in the show. But uh, yeah, it it goes on. Uh, 10:15 is a procedural hearing through the federal court. We'll hear more about that. But the main, the main, uh, the main hit, if you like, is tomorrow with Novak Djokovic. Uh, We're off to a break. If you're listening on SEN 1620 Gold Coast, hop on the SEN app to continue listening to us. Winners with Andrew Bensley is coming up after the news on that particular station. We've got Barry Hall around the corner (laughs) as well. He's a fighter, but he's going to tell some stories about his old mate Nick and Bjorn Baker from the Magic Millions. Back soon.
2: Mowers, start your engines. It's the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN. With Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Oh, I wish people could see that. I missed, I missed the the intro. We were having a few technical issues at uh, the top of the show, but hey, we're back. We're officially back with the Mowers Club in 2022. When we hear that theme music coming in, and, uh, yeah. Hope you're having a good mo this morning, wherever you are around this beautiful country of ours, listening on the app or in Sydney where this show is based, but I'm in uh, Adelaide at the moment. Where am I? (laughs) Adelaide at the moment. I will say, Nick, I love, I actually really like Adelaide. It's a beautifully laid out city. It's relaxed. It's open, fresh air, parklands everywhere. It's a beautifully laid out city. I will say though in the CBD where I'm staying in the hotel, which is just near to the SEN offices here, it does have a shade of at night time of the alternate Hill Valley and Back to the Future too, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, when Marty goes back and finds out that uh, Biff nicked the Grey Sports Almanac and things have changed somewhat in 1985 Hill Valley. So um, it's not too bad. Apart from that, there's some um, interesting places. Hindley Street, which I'm sure you've visited after a game against Port or Adelaide in your time, Nicholas, correct?
3: Correct. Uh, yeah, we used to say in the same hotel that you're staying at and it's uh, ideally... S- Situated uh, <laughs> right next door to Adelaide <laughs> Casino. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I dare say that, um, I'm sure if it would still be there, but on the weekend there, the uh, the the caravan, the pie floater caravan might uh, appear. No, it's not there. Well, it might be there. See how you go. Well, maybe it only came in when, when they knew you were in town. <laughs> when I was uh, The Swans are here. or Collingwood's here. That fat guy will be here eating pies at 3 o'clock in the morning. But, uh, no, it is it is a good spot. I didn't... Um, it, it was a good place to go and travel and and to play footy. Actually, um, the the footy park where we used to play out at it, West Lakes was a a bit of a, a trip from the CBD. But when driving mm. out there, you get a little bit of a sense of the the NFL and the tailgating parties because they were like the, the Crows and the the power supporters were there in the in the uh, in the car park as the bus would roll in and they'd give you some yeah some friendly advice of how they think the game was going to go. <laughs> We had a bit of luck over there. We won a, a couple of um, qualifying finals there. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's good. But, Adam, I've got um, our phoner for today. Yeah. And I, 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 I've kept some secrets from you about my uh, my shenanigans and my uh, – I, I did confess to you that I uh, – I It's a big closet, me. Nick. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <As I'd, laughs> it's like Narnia in there. Um, <laughs> if you go far enough in there, you get to a whole new world. I did confess to you that I did test positive to COVID over the new year, which was disappointing. Yes. Yeah. But that come off the back of, uh, and I did confess to the mowers on New Year's Day that there was a, uh, there was an incident on the water in my water skiing career. There was uh there was a hamstring strain and the fact that it's still there makes me think it was a little bit more than a hamstring strain. So for our $200 thanks to topsport.com.au, I want our, our listeners to uh, to call or text in their best social sporting injury. Oh yes, the social sporting <laughs> injury. Yeah.
4: And then, and can what, it be organized what, sport like just Yeah, you know, organized park sport. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. cool. Yep. I got one. What do you I got? um I actually playing a, a game of very low grade football on a Saturday afternoon with my mates, AL3s, Pitwater RSL. Decided to go in for a tackle on someone half my age and twice my strength and uh, came off second best and got a cork on my, just above my knee, on my left leg, which three weeks later turned into compartment syndrome. You know what that is? No. It's when the fluid from the cork doesn't dissolve and actually builds in a certain area in my Case around my calf and ankle, and it basically yeah, right. suffocates everything in that area. Yeah. So, um, you I didn't, wake up I didn't in the get many
3: contact injuries, as our next guest will probably be. <laughs> <even know. laughs> I didn't have a lot of contact injuries, but if I was nervous when Paul Ruse came on the show for an interview, <laughs> I am even more nervous when my great mate, who I sat next to in a locker room for six years, is coming on the show, Barry Larry Hall. Welcome to the Saturday morning mowers, my friend.
4: How are we? Good oh, to talk to you, again. Larry. <laughs> oh, listen, <to> how happy <laughs> he is long... to be on this radio show with Nick Davis.
8: It's been a long time between drinks. Oh, and long... there was
3: plenty of drinks. Don't worry about that.
8: <laughs> 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 Mate, we, we would have won four premierships if we didn't uh, drink as much, but
7: that would have
3: been less fun, Barry.
7: <laughs> That's right. It's fair now, to say
3: I'm not coming into his camp, but it'd be no good for me being in his camp for this fight.
8: Yeah, you were always—you uh, are always one of those guys that uh, had fun doing what you were doing. That's for sure, Nicky Davis.
4: We'll we'll give you time to th- to to <laughs> kind of trigger the memory and come up with some Nick Davis classics. But firstly, we'll talk about the fight. Now uh, you're, you're taking on Sonny Bill. Um, you're going to face off in Turf War and you can watch the fight March 23 exclusively on Stan's new pay-per-view offering Stan event and it's at the ICC in Sydney. You can get along there if you're in Sydney Town Wednesday March 23. Barry, why take this fight and what are you anticipating early doors in the early stages of the build-up?
8: Oh yeah, look, this fight's been spoken about for quite a while now, nearly two years and um, you know, we we had a verbal agreement with uh, no contracts in place and you know, when it got to the 18 month mark of not happening, I thought, "Jesus, it's not going to happen now. There's no commitment, and um, I don't think it's going to happen." So, sort of, it sort of led on after the Paul Gallen fight. Um, you know, we we're in talks with with Sunny, and he he agreed that whoever won that fight, he'd he'd uh, consider fighting. And um, clearly, he thought I won it um, as well as I did. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of where it all stemmed from. Um, it sort of led on from there. And uh, you know, at, at my age, you know, this is not ideal, you know, dragging stuff out two years, but um it is what it is um yeah they're not they're not going to get out of it so we're going to uh make this work and uh yeah i'm going to put it on him yeah uh
3: larry i've got so many things i can call you but not on the radio uh Holly, <laughs> what, <laughs> um, what did you learn from the fight against um gal um yeah i watched it and um i thought you you probably won what did you learn in regards to training preparation and and your time in the ring there
8: I would have learned quite a lot. It's obviously my first professional fight, so you know, the last time I fought before them, I was 15 years of age, you know, and I fought, you know, amateur. So you know, totally different thing, and um, I learned so much, I, I guess, in terms of training and even just little things like the warm up, you know, in in footy terms and any any sporting uh, when it's physically taxing, it, sometimes you, you get a when you start it, you get a bit of a blowout, and then you get a second wind, and that second wind kicks in, and then, and then you're sort of away. I didn't get my second wind until about after round three, which is a mistake, and it was just inexperienced. Yeah, you know, I would have done a more intensive warm up, so I got my second wind a little bit earlier, and um, you know, I can really ride home that the um, you know three quarters of the way, you know, the, the later half of the fight, you can really you know stand your authority. So just little bits and pieces like that, and probably just enjoying it was was a thing. I was I sort of got a bit too fired up. Um, I, I didn't like Gal, uh, and that wasn't uh, fabricated. It's was just how I how I was, and I just didn't enjoy it as much as I should. The build up and all those sorts of things, I, I should have uh, really sat back and soaked it all in and enjoyed the build up a bit more. Because you know it is a great experience to be able to do these sorts of things. And, you know, get paid well and, and entertain people at, at this age. So um, I'm going to enjoy it a bit more this time.
4: Looking back, Barry, do you regret maybe? I'd say the time when you you left the Swans, was there a point there you thought, oh, I could transition now, or was there a chance that you could have fought? I don't think it would have gone down too well with the fitness advisors at footy clubs, but fought in off seasons was that ever an option for you? And do you regret not actually doing that as you sit here now?
8: No, no look, not really. I I think if you play an AFL footy, I don't certainly don't want to rubbish NRL, but I think if you got an AFL contract. Um, I don't think they would allow you to do it, to be perfectly honest. And yeah. I totally understand that because, you know, you throw a shoulder out or break your jaw or it's actually going to, you know, impact your training, pre-season, whatever it may be in some way, shape or form. So I don't think AFL clubs would, would go for that, you know. After all, players are an investment. And um, if your investment is, is not working for you, um, and is off doing other things, it's, it just doesn't it doesn't fit. So I, I don't think, without putting words in other people's mouths, I don't think that would, would have gone down at an AFL level. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think uh, there was a contract offered to me when I was 30. Uh, I was at the Swans at the time and um, I, I told the promoters at that stage that you know it had to be more money than what I was on playing footy and, and, and it wasn't. So good football I, I knew I was good at. I was in my comfortable place, I was happy doing it. So to change and go somewhere else, um, it had to be worth my while and it just wasn't at that stage. So the decision was made to, to keep playing footy.
3: Holly, your preparation for this fight. And I saw on Sunny's social media he's already he's jetted off. He's over there with the Gypsy King doing his thing. What um what's gonna be your, your preparation? Uh I see you've been doing a bit of recovery. It wasn't a strong point. The only thing we iced back in the day was our beers, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
8: <laughs> yeah, I had the ice bath sticky boy, you know that. But um, look, I, I don't need to jet set off and go and train with world champions. And we, we, I've got a former world champion in my gym um, at Kingscliff in a tin shed out in the paddock. So that that's where we're going to be training. Um, I, I actually think he's a weakness. To be perfectly honest with you, I, I think he's um, maybe he doesn't have faith in him, the team around him in Sydney, and maybe you know he's searching for something. Um, the team I've got i have got total faith in. As I said, we're going to be doing old school, Rocky style in a tin shed, um, oh. rusty old weights and equipment, and uh, that's that's our style. We're going to do the hard yards, um, you know, the unlimited budgets and the fancy bright lights, and you know, training with the Gypsy King is doesn't doesn't suit us. And uh, yeah, I actually think it's a disadvantage. Yes, it'd be a great experience, but in you know, the lead up to the fight, I actually think he's he's looking for something. Um, so I actually think it's a weakness, to be perfectly honest.
4: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the training footage of Barry Hall just barrelling into a, like a hanging piece of meat in a freezer somewhere with the beanie on and just doing his best. Um, how many times did you think in your career that you'd, Nick Davis was annoying you that you wouldn't mind pummeling him, Barry? Yeah,
8: it was a few times, yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie, there's a few times. Um, well, we, we were we were locker mates. I was number one, he was number two. We were right beside each other. and um, You know, so it was pretty hard to get away from each other, but... Uh, No, look, in in saying that, uh, Nick was a great team. We had had a lot of fun. In in anything you do in life, yes, you've got to work hard and and play hard, but you've got to have a bit of fun and enjoy it. So we certainly did that.
3: Uh, Hawley, I've told this story once here before that, and I was like, oh, who was your angriest team? man? everyone goes, holy and you're not, you weren't an angry person. You're, an, you're a beautiful person, Larry. But there was a few times where we'd be doing some boxing and we, we'd be lined up sort of ten, <laughs> 10 on each side, 10 on each side, and then we, we'd be doing 30 seconds of punching with one person and you got to slide along the line and there'd be some new rookie kid that couldn't <laughs> hold the pads. And all I'd hear down there is, hold the
8: pads!
2: <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> well... As you know, everybody's done a bit of boxing. The pad holder is absolutely critical. If you're if you're punching a pad and there's just nothing nothing there and it's there's nothing behind it, there's no resistance. It's just twice as hard. So, um, you know, boxing is hard enough as it is, let alone that. So, I used to get a bit frustrated and probably shouldn't have because they they probably haven't done it before. But um, you know, the patience wasn't a, a really strong point for me back then. <laughs> you have meleeed out a bit, haven't you? I've mellowed out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I've, um, well, you, you know me, you, but I, I guess I've always been fairly mellow, but, you know, I've had that edge of, the competitive edge, but now I'm sort of, you know, when you have kids and, you know, life just changes, you know, your perspective changes. I don't really give a shit about anything uh, as long as my kids are good. You know, that's that's my mindset and that's just how things are now. I don't, I don't care about the small stuff. I don't care what people call me. I don't care about social media. I don't. All that stuff is just irrelevant. As long as my kids are fine and they're provided for and they're happy, that's that's all I'm really worried about.
4: Not about outlook, and um, you're going to help provide for them uh, with this fight, which will be intriguing. Uh, Barry Hall taking on Sunny Bill Williams. Turf War stand sport, stand event, I should say, on March 23. Barry Hall, thank you for joining us, and uh, well done not embarrassing Nick too much, but we'll get you on before the fight, and maybe we can go for round two there.
8: No, I appreciate the time, boys, and, uh, look, we'd like to stay in touch and, um, yeah, give you
4: updates through the camp. That'd be, that'd be great. Looking forward to it. Barry Hall joining us on the Mowers Club. Back in a
2: moment. Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Great to have your company. Thanks to Toro Mowers. It's the Mowers Club. That went better than expected. What did?
3: the bustler oh
4: okay you're relieved now are you yeah, yeah.
3: That's one <laughs> best story because <laughs> we used to play pranks on everyone else and then just to even it out we had you just have to then prank each other back yeah. and at the swans we we're getting a new sort of ice bath facility there and there was concrete and stuff and holy con- took every key out of my off my key ring yeah and poured <laughs> concrete into my drink bottle and put all my keys <laughs> in the drink bottle <laughs> That's pretty good. That is a lot understand. of thought. I stand there like smashing it to try and get all my keys
4: out. <laughs> <laughs> and people criticise footy players for having too much time on their hands. Oh,
3: be the best show. The, the, 0-4, the 0-4, the 5 Swans, if it was a all or nothing or
4: hard knocks, it would have been so good or a drive to Survivor, a Netflix drama, which uh, we'll talk about a bit later yes. in the show, actually, with um, golf signing up. And apparently there's going to be a tennis one. And apparently the tennis crew have got all this Novak drama um, as part of their, their filming process. So, No. We'll, yeah, apparently. Yeah, I haven't seen any cameras there. Uh, there's a few cameras here and there. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, regardless, let's push on with this. It's time for... Yeah, no, nah. Yeah, no, nah. no, nah, yeah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah. Come on, new 20, new year. And I've got the throw right to that particular segment for the first time in the history of the show. And I hosted the mowers on New Year's Day.
3: <laughs> that was my number one thing to get right. <laughs> and now it's,
4: down, now it's it's time, time for
3: this. Now it's time for this. I told yeah, you nah. uh, on the you way in this morning that um, I came off the long run with my yeah, nahs on New Year's Day.
4: Mm. I had plenty. Bit to get off your chair. You had seven or something. I like. had heaps, Did you say? Are heaps, there any carrying over still that it, it, like um, still giving you the irrits?
3: Oh, dogs are still at the shops. Dogs don't but, need to go to the shops. The the they don't need to be there. They don't like to be there.
4: No. No. They agree. don't need to be there. Yeah, any indoor area, mind you. You just don't want to go indoors at the moment anywhere, <laughs> given no. what's going on.
3: The mm. other one. The other one is probably one that you want to double down on. Well,
4: don't put words in my mouth,
3: Nick, but go. You said that you would. Yeah. The Christmas photos in matching PJs.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Myself and my wife discussed this uh, around Christmas time. We, and thankfully, we we're on the same page. We, we looked at each other and went, Why are people doing this? Why are you? Look, surely there's a better utilization of time than organizing a photo in uniform at Christmas time. And I know it's the festive spirit. And I it shouldn't be too critical and it's making people happy. So I'm not acting like the Grinch here, but I've got better things to do with my time than go and find four matching tops or in my case, six for the whole family to wear and, and smile. And yeah, something that you wouldn't wear for the rest of the year as well.
3: Yep. I agree with that.
4: Unless you're out there. So, uh, yeah, I double down on that particular. It's time for. You know, no, 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 yeah, no. Give <laughs> <laughs> <It's the sting.
6: laughs> Morning I want to give over by the way. G'day, guys. <laughs> I was, um, He's allowed to be on air now. I was promised 10 minutes of on air time, uh, yeah, I, and I you ruined it. Yeah. And then
3: you got minus 15 minutes for your what? <laughs> appearance for my what? this morning. Oh, yeah.
4: Have you got an actual year now? Me, yes, I do. Okay, go. Uh, it's a bit of a serious one, actually. It's, it's not, nothing, save um, that for a day show. Polarity. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for the other end of the FM dial, uh, AM dial. No, uh, I can't quite get my head around, and I know COVID is going around a fair bit at the moment, but I can't understand why the daily chief headline takeout still is the total case numbers. I don't get it. Like, why isn't it the hospitalizations and IC, which is what we were fed, is going to be important once we're vaccinated. And now we've got, what, 95% in New South Wales, for instance, of double vax, and now we're getting our boosters and everything like that. But I can't work out why there's the hysteria over... And, yeah, they're big numbers, but and it's going around, but isn't the focus now about how we manage this whole situation about hospitalisations and ventilators and ICU, the the numbers and the breakdown of that? And, yeah, you heard the, the health minister before... Christmas saying, yeah, well, actually, we're we're counting them a bit wrong because people are presenting with a broken leg in emergency and and they have to have COVID and they count as a COVID case because they have to go in the COVID ward. So I I don't quite get why we're doing it the way we are. It's a bit like now that we've moved on from, and I got it earlier in the pandemic with the fact that we weren't vaccinated, but now we're all vaccinated. It's a bit like saying, oh, geez, VHS sales have gone down. Wait a minute. There's DVDs. Oh, it doesn't matter. But VHS sales are really impacted <laughs> by. It, 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 it's another time. It doesn't make sense. So uh, the reporting of numbers. Yeah. Nah. Is that a bit too serious for a Saturday morning mowers club? Yeah, it is. I it apologize
3: is. Apologise to all the mowers out there, but mine. I'll save my second one till second, mm. because it will. It might. It will. Cause a little bit of angst between of you. I believe my first one is the English cricket players and the Australian cricket players carrying on in the Sydney Test with people behind the sight screen. The sight screens are massive. size of the moon. The size of the moon. <laughs> Someone standing up or walking through a door on the third level of the MA Noble stand. You can't hit the ball off the square anyway. Don't worry about it. It's not the problem. Back in the day, the sight screens were the size of a post-it stamp and they had to get wheeled along. The sight screens are massive. Stop holding up play because someone wants to walk out and get a drink. So for the cricketers that carry on about the people behind the sight screen.
5: Yeah, no, nah. no, nah, yeah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah.
4: Yeah, I'm with you there. And indeed, all the, like, every five hours calling for new gloves. And...
3: Oh, that was another one. Of my, that was one of my yeah, nahs. The drinks mm. break in cricket. Yeah. It was to get a drink and get a fresh set of gloves. Now they just run on drinks and gloves whenever they feel
4: like it. Yeah, so no drinks break? They no drinks.
3: Oh, yeah, no, nah, the drinks break.
4: Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Any others? Yeah, I do. Yeah, go.
3: I'm glad that I can see your face because this is going to gonna be disappointed.
4: Yeah, here we go. He's going to have a go at the world's <laughs> biggest game. No, I'm not. Go for it. Yeah. No, I'm not. No, I can tell.
3: Doubles tennis. Oh, okay. Oh, It's not football. No.
4: Yeah, doubles tennis.
3: Is a massive yeah, nah. I'm <laughs> naring doubles tennis. I am absolutely naring doubles tennis. Prefer
4: to work alone, would you? Absolutely.
3: <laughs> Do your best work. Do my best work alone. I don't. It, I I watching the the Sydney one in the, in the teams event, whatever that was called, the ATP Cup. Was that is that right? Correct. And then they went on to the double. It's just, it's, it's not necessary. I apologize to the Woodies, who are great doubles tennis players of yesteryear. Doubles tennis
4: is a massive Vienna. I have to disagree, especially in teams events, because that's when it gets exciting. I actually think there should be more teams events based on nation or or region in tennis, because that's the way. I'd, I'd love to see, for instance, Australia playing in this teams competition with Demon or or even Kyrgios teaming up with Barty for a doubles thing that means win a trophy or not. No. That would be great. I like it.
3: No. The concept of doubles tennis. The whole, the action of doubles tennis. Nothing left goes on. And they do their little whispers and their little signals and all that sort of business, and they don't hit it. They hit. The only funny bit is when someone gets sconed in the back of the head. And if someone <laughs> wants to, bring in, you could nearly win the 200, thanks to topsport.com.au, if you were playing recreational doubles tennis over the uh, over the summer period and you got sconed in the back of the head. But for me, doubles tennis
4: is a yeah, no. Here comes a break, and on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to check in with Bjorn Baker, one of the best trainers in all of Australia. We've got the Magic Millions Carnival happening at the moment, and a lot of horse flesh being uh, bought for a lot of money, a lot of unreasonable spending going on in southeast Queensland at the moment when it comes to uh, horse flesh, and a lot of people about to find out how slow horses can be. We'll get Bjorn's take after this.
2: Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Yeah, welcome back. A massive day of racing up on the Gold Coast today with the Magic Millions Carnival. So it's all based around the fact that you go up there and buy a horse, you can go back there and, and partake in this particular race day in there. They're racing for million-dollar races left, right and centre and a man who's got a few horses up there today. I dare say he's up there purchasing some future prospects as well. Bjorn Baker joins us now on the Mowers Club. Bjorn, we do find you on the Gold Coast, do we?
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm actually up in the apartment overlooking the race course and it's a beautiful day up here. Of course, it's been a very big week and horse prices, have I think, have gone to new records and great to be involved, but it is a little exhausting too
4: socially are you speaking yes and work what <laughs> yeah. hey you got a network don't you because you, you you're a trainer and you want to kind of get as many clients into your stable as possible um how many checks have you written this week for uh, some horse flesh that you hope is quick
0: yeah and that's that's the thing you never quite know but you try and give yourself the any sort of horse trainer, this this is where it starts. You have to get the, the quality horses, the well bred horses and the nice horses and the stable. And a lot of it uh, about that is probably going out of your comfort zone and trying to get new clients and new investors. Mm-hmm. Probably something like about a dozen. Um, and thankfully, most of them have been um, accounted for. So it's been a really good week from that point of view.
3: Bjorn, it's important when you go. If you get, walk into uh, a car dealership and you spend some good cash on a on a high quality car, you know what you're going to get. Sometimes you can spend seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand on a horse, and you can come back and it's not worth feeding. Uh, how do you <laughs> <laughs> how do you go about mitigating those circumstances? Yeah, well, it's a,
0: it's a, yeah, it's a tough one, and it, it, it is. You never quite know. And this is one rule. Horses. There are no mm-hmm. rules. They come from all price ranges and, and price brackets. Good horses, um, and and it's one thing about racing. It's a great leveler. Everybody's got a chance, uh, regardless of what price point you you buy in. And these uh, numerous champions that have cost next to nothing so it is about trying to probably reduce risk a little bit like trying to buy proven stallions and a lot of horses you may have known the mares or raced against them or been lucky enough to train them and um it's just comes down to personal preference a lot of the time as well so um beauty is in the eye of the beholder and hopefully you like one horse more than someone else and and get them for what you think is pretty
4: good price What's the best horse you've had in your stable, which is basically co- the, the equivalent of, you know, Costa Macapi Mill or something like that? It's it's really gone above the value of what you paid for it.
0: Well, I guess one of the best stories I've had is coming to the sale. I think I just moved to Australia from New Zealand about 11 years ago, and I bought a horse for $70,000. At the time, I couldn't afford uh, anywhere near that, but I was lucky enough to get him syndicated, and he was one of three horses I bought that year. And he came back um, a year later and won the Magic Millions two-year-old race, and he was called Unencumbered. And quite fittingly, I think with the profits of that, I I bought uh, my wife and I bought a first house and he sort of won over $2 and then he was sold as a stallion for a similar amount of money. So that was a really good return. And um, yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. uh, And the old saying, you've got to be in to win.
3: Beyond, how do people get involved if you, I think you said most of yours are already taken up, how does the people that are looking to try and get into racing, trying to get into a good horse, what are the steps that they can take to, to get their, their foot in the door and, and try and get into a nice horse?
0: Yeah, there's a number of different ways. Of course, I've got a website at uh, bakerracing.com.au, but there's also, if they're after a smaller share, there's a lot of great syndicators out there. In particular, I've had a lot of luck with Derby Racing. Uh, they seem to be, as a trainer, they're great to train for. They buy at all price brackets and they get a lot of results too. So, no, it's a, it's a great game to be involved. You can meet uh, some amazing people and uh, really enjoy the highs and lows. And you can't win all the time, but you try and have fun most of the time.
4: If um if you sign up to your stable though, like around Blatterslow time, do do you have do we have to close our ears when you inevitably win, you Kiwis, and you start banging well, on about the? Well,
0: that's the only certainty I, can, I I can well and truly tip you that the Old <laughs> will win the game. That's, that's insane unfortunately the return on that is very minimal though. <laughs> yeah
4: yeah no, I've got a, actually a couple of mates who didn't tell me about this, but they, they dived into one that you, you were training, actually, Bjorn, um, Diamond Hands. And it, the, it's good, like, for, for those that are not involved, maybe thinking about getting involved, that the, the trainer, like a stable, like the Baker stable, um, they stay in contact, like, every track work session, every barrier trial, every, every race day. There's the communication through WhatsApp with the, the interview, the jockey, and Bjorn's pretty good at it as well. So it's, a, it's good technology, works um, wonders for a business like yours.
0: Yeah, it does, and it's really evolved even in the last ten years. So it's about keeping everyone informed, and there's really no excuses not to. um Everybody should really be able to be kept up to the mark. And even with Diamond Hands, he's he's won uh, I think two of four, and most times he won, we're pretty confident so it's worked out well.
3: Bjorn, what's the what's been the the selling point around the sales at the Magic Me? Is the one that I'm I've been, and we've got a little segment on our show here, yeah, nah, and and. I've, I've sort of had a bit of a pot at some of the racing journalists calling this is a proper cult. What's <laughs> what's the difference between a proper cult and a not proper cult? Well, I know what the difference is, but
4: there is a material difference. Well, a proper
0: cult's probably got a lot of shares still available. Yeah. <laughs> this proper cult is probably fully sold. Uh, so, no, you yeah, use all the phrases. We tick the box and now it moves and strong and athletic and... Uh, it's a little bit hard at times to, to um, I guess, you get selling points and so forth. But uh, no, I think at the end of the day, you just keep it real. And, and a lot of it even comes down to one thing about racing. Uh, you can put a whole pub of people together and uh, we'll, we'll disagree on on pretty much every race. So everyone has a different opinion. and It comes down to what you're after.
4: Hey, Bjorn, we had um, Barry Hall, the, the former AFL player, on before, and, and he would have been regarded as someone that you didn't want to get into a, a, an argument with because it possibly could have ended only one way. What about when you're bidding against a certain bunch of people there at the sales and you look across and you go, oh, I don't want to be involved in this because I'm going to come off second best and if I do come off best, I'm going to pay way too much <laughs> over the top of what I can actually afford. Who, who are some of the big dogs up there that um, just splash the cash pretty pretty freely?
0: Yeah, well, and you're right too. He's a big unit, Barry, and uh, I don't know him, but he's pretty tough. And that happens in the ring. And at the end of the day, you only sort of—I—I I, I still want to pay in Kiwi dollars, so <laughs> I've always looking for a, a cheaper horse. And if I can get a discount with a little bandage or footed something like that, <laughs> but uh, we've always got Gay Woodhouse and Adrian are always a couple of tables behind ourselves, and so we we come in low and and. They just come over the top the whole time. So they're one, one, one table, and I guess stable in particular, that, that we find it hard to compete with and, and find seem to find um, that we're on a fair few of the same horses. So when they're on it, essentially they don't stop. So um, we may have to look at the next one.
3: Beyond, have you had to do much uh, bidding or, or or searching or searching out horses for your, uh, for your friends or maybe even your old man um, across in New Zealand with the you know, travel restrictions and what, and then vice versa with Karaka coming up, not being able to get across that way?
0: Yeah, it's a bit tricky. I was sort of hoping that they might half open the border or do something, but it's, it's like Fort Knox at the moment. In New Zealand, there's, there's no set opening time, and uh, I'm not sure that in racing the... Definitely a decade or two behind Australia, and they may end up further behind. So it is tough going, um, but the, I'm probably lucky. I've got my father over there, he'll be able to look at the number of horses at Karaka, and, and they still breed good horses, there's no doubt about that, in New Zealand and in particular Waikato Stud have had a lot of luck from. So hopefully uh, they've delayed the sale to March, but we'll definitely look to pick up a few there.
4: And uh, if he's asked you to buy any this week and you get him back to the stable in two months' time, you go, my goodness, what have I got here? Do you, do you tell him? Do you, do you go, oh, Dad, don't worry. Just leave him over here. I'll try and develop and, and things like that. You know, you've got a good one.
0: Yeah, well, he always says the Aussies handle the truth carelessly and he thinks I'm getting a little bit better. But... Uh <laughs> No, he's. Uh, he, I'm lucky. A lot of the horses come over and stay with me. We have a pretty yeah. good relationship, and and works out well. So, um, and the, the great thing with horses, even if you don't like them early, they change, they develop, and and times a remarkable thing. Just like probably any athlete, and um, some of them just don't go early, but they pick it up late, and vice versa.
3: it quickly and just have you got anything uh you you've, you'll have plenty in um around i'm not having looked at the sydney form guy but definitely up at the gold coast is there anything uh for our saturday morning mowers that they can throw in their uh their top sport multis today uh
0: well i definitely think Perry sound will be hard to beat in the stars race up here he, he won a stakes race in Sydney. Um, three weeks ago, which is good form for today, and we get James McDonald on, he's going really well. Fun facts actually in the same race, he's not out of it he's been running well, and I don't mind Bellucci Babe in Sydney, I think she's a quality mare, and she's fresh up, but her trial and track work has been very, very good
4: uh, co-owned by uh, a colleague or ex-colleague at Fox Cricket in Matthew West, the general manager of Fox Cricket. So good luck to uh, Bellucci Bay uh, this afternoon. Um, Bjorn, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the day at the track and the, the couple of mineral waters that you'll have after, and an early night to bed up there on the Goldie.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll try and stick to that. It's, it's <laughs> been a bit like Groundhog Day the last four or five days. So it'll be good to get to the races and good luck team and good luck listeners.
4: Really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you. And uh, we're back in a moment on the Mowers Club with Around the Socials. And, uh, yeah, all mics are live. I'll uh, preview it with that.
2: Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Yeah, welcome back. Um, Nick Davis, I'm down here in Adelaide. I've just... uh, Went out to the kitchen area. I did the um usual thing, Nick, of uh you got me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um did the usual thing of oh, they've got a jar of Tim Tams out there. I was trying to avoid, I went, oh, I'll have one. Guess what happens when you have one Tim Tam? <laughs> you have four.
3: <laughs> you never have one Tim Tam.
4: No, never. Never. Impossible. Opened their fridge by the way. Saw that. All right. Magnificent. There's no food in there, but it's a good looking fridge. Um just on the Novak Djokovic situation, it looks like they've uh, locked in a time for tomorrow morning for the, the hearing, the, the f- we hope, the final hearing, 9.30 a.m. in the federal court Sunday. They'll find out. And it looks like the, the Djokovic crew are, are pushing for a, a three-judge panel, which is the final way that you can do things in the federal court as opposed mm-hmm. to a one-judge panel because then if it's a one-judge panel, then you can appeal it to go to the three-judge panel. So the Djokovic crew are trying to argue, let's just get... Cut to the chase. Kind of agree with it as well, don't you? That you just want to. Well, that's resolution. good that they want to do it that way. Yeah. Anyway, learning a bit more about our legal system, which is not altogether a bad thing. Also, learning um, in a wider sense, Nick, that gee, us humans can make life complex, can't we? Woo! <laughs> 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 wow. Around the socials. Um, did you see this uh, from our friends at Channel 7 in Melbourne through the week?
0: Whatever way you look at it. No, so is a lying, sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever way you look at it, it's yeah. unfortunate that, that everybody else stuffed up around him. That, that's it. And then he's like, to go out when you know you're
4: not positive Well, yeah. I don't think he was even in COVID-positive. I, I, I think, think that form is true. He got a <laughs> and then fell over his own Mike Amor and uh, Beck Madden down yeah. there. And, and Beck had actually just left Channel 9 to join Channel 7 and called it a fantastic homecoming. That was her one of her first shifts back <laughs> at a new home. Yeah, good. Channel 7. Now, we, we hear that was released because um, the captioning company, which the vision goes to, and obviously the, the feed is continuous, um, the captioning company have taken responsibility and someone working there recorded that as it was coming in. It was obviously between a uh, live read or just at the end of one. And... Um, Yeah, what would you make of that?
3: Cameras and microphones are always on, mate. Always on. Except here for our man, Gibbo, that turns them off. One of our best (laughs) work is done in the outbreaks.
4: Yeah, yeah, thankfully. Uh, At a remote location, you tend to keep your thoughts to yourself a bit more, if you know what I mean. (laughs) You're never quite sure when it's on or off. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Have you got anything from around the socials? Uh, the, uh,
3: another one we're talking about, microphones are always on. And I love access and I think, and listening to the cricket and watching the cricket last night, Sam Billings and his work behind the stumps, but the stump mics on the, uh, in the Indian cricket team, they caught, uh, there was a fair bit of goings on in this one.
8: Making the sport look bad, i eh?
2: making the sport look bad now. Focus on your team as well while they shine the ball, eh? Not just the opposition. Trying to catch people all the time. Whole country playing against 11 guys. i known about them, boys. Fucking camera team as well.
6: Country against 11, fellas. Country against 11, boys. Don't hit them on the patch, boys. If the stumps are caught behind, that's it.
4: That's India in South Africa, and he's very coy having a go at uh, Supersport, who are the. Host broadcasters there, um, so that there is the thought in world cricket that the super sport guys and the South African cricket team, when they're playing at home, because they're the host broadcaster, they provide all the the broadcast services. That they're um, they're basically one team. They're part of the uh, part of the inner sanctum <laughs> the super sport guys. Do you remember the obviously the sandpaper gate? Do you know yep. the story behind all that?
3: Uh, apart from the sandpaper, not really.
4: What happened was that there was a suspicion from both sides of the fence that a bit of work was being done on the ball and it went to and fro. And Maybe it was in a series here in Australia as well, but when they got over to South Africa, the suspicion is that the South African team then went to the broadcaster and said, look, guys, can you just keep an eye on the ball? So what the the Supersport crew did, every ball, between every ball, they had at least one camera on where the ball was going. Just focused around. Focused on the ball. So when the ball goes to the keeper, it gets chucked along the slips and then maybe goes up to cover or down to mid-on or mid-off straight away. There was always a camera on the ball between deliveries. And that's how they picked it up.
3: Well, I tell you what, and I think you don't have to be Robinson Crusoe to work out that um, Australia went the only way. Because since Sandpaper Gate, I haven't seen a ball reverse swing ever. Since that or day, as much
4: yeah. or ever. Oh, it started a bit. but or not, not as, as much. Yeah, yeah.
3: Not as much. So I think yeah. everyone, uh, everyone everyone <laughs> reined it in a little bit after that. Yeah,
4: and it, there was that rumor as well going around. But it, anyway, that doesn't. I'm not having a crack at the, the Super Sport crew there because it's actually a good thing I think for Australian cricket that that happened and to get to the bottom of it. And yeah, it, it shouldn't have been happening, so it was caught. You can't then have a go at the way it was caught, if you know not I mean. So, yeah. Um,
3: but it was a DRS thing there in the Indian game as well. They were, they thought it was.
6: They, they thought that the ball didn't bounce as high as it did Ravi Ashwin, who's I think six three. Yeah. it looked out. It looked pretty plum on the on, on the, the camera. It,
3: it looked like it was going to smash halfway into middle stump, and then on the DRS, it was. Took off. Took off. I
6: I think, though, like, Virat's under a lot of pressure. He hasn't scored a century for a while. India were on the verge of winning their first Test Series in South Africa ever, which they timely ended up losing. But I think that showed a bit of pressure from the Indians.
4: Keep just quickly, can you run us through the the next thing on, there on the rundown with the uh, the woman forced to stay, you found this one for us, the woman forced to stay at a blind date's apartment for days after a snap lockdown <laughs> in Zhengzhou over there in China.
6: Adam, I-, I would love nothing more to run us through this situation because, to be honest, it's a, it's a dream. It's a dream scenario, but I think what we'll do, we'll go to the news and then
4: we'll come back. <laughs> okay, you host <laughs> Moe's Club. Thanks to Gibbo. <laughs>
2: Mowers, start your engines. It's the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Yeah, welcome back, Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Um, just looked up, Nick. I forgot there's a BBL match happening right now at Adelaide Oval, just about a kilometre from where I'm sitting, and uh, Adelaide Strikers taking on the Melbourne Stars, and the Strikers, I think, are two for 40-odd inside the first five overs. So, um, yeah, we'll keep you up to date with that. Time now to talk some crickets and continue the cricket chat. And Simon Cowditch, part of the SEN crew for Test Cricket, is going to join us right now. And uh, we're looking forward to day two of the test. It's um, nicely balanced after a bit in it for bat and ball down there in Hobart. And uh, Simon joins us right now. How are you, mate? Good morning, guys. I'm just clearing my throat here. I don't. I, I tested negative again this morning, I swear. So, a little one line, not the two I came up. So, I'm um, looking forward to uh, possibly testing tomorrow. But anyway, um, mate, what do you think of day one down there in, uh, in Hobart? I, I thought
9: it was outstanding, I think. It was the first Ashes test that Bell Reeves hosted and you could tell that uh, the crowd were loving the occasion. Lots of kids around, particularly early on in the day and getting a chance to see, uh, you know, obviously some of their heroes up close and personal. So, a fantastic uh, moment for Tassie Sport down here and, and the other thing was that you know, it was full of uh, action the first session. You know, England were well on top had Australia in all sorts of trouble at 3 for 12 in some you know, devilish batting conditions with a green wicket and a pink ball that was moving around a fair bit off the scene but um, once Australia sort of counter-attacked in the second hour it's just it's amazing how quickly the momentum of the game changed with Travis Head and, and initially Marnus Labashane and then Cameron Green a little bit later on and England were found wanting again with the ball. Uh, they've just whatever Joe Root uh, threw it through at Australia. He just um, he couldn't find any answers, and yeah, they're uh, they're no doubt almost got one foot on the plane now.
3: Yeah, so I mean it was interesting. I, I we spoke to Dougie Bollinger earlier, and I asked him about the openers, which was a complete waste of time because he would have no idea about anything to do with, <laughs> about batting. <laughs> Our mate Doug, but. When and, and being a top order batsman yourself, when they peel the covers off the wicket and you see what it is, uh, did, did the top order get spooked a little bit by that wicket and, and they were a little bit nervous in their dismissals and how they got out Warner, Kawaja up the top there?
9: Oh, look, I think what happens in those conditions is if the bowlers get it in the right areas, you know it's going to be tough work and... You know both sides of the batter in in play with the movement, both outside edge and inside edge, and the stumps. And and I think England, you know, deserve a lot of credit for the way they bowl with the new ball. Robinson was excellent, Broad was excellent. So, in those conditions, which are very English-like, they know how to bowl, and and they did bowl beautifully. They just couldn't sustain it. But I thought Warner and and Kawaja applied themselves as best they could. And you know they both got balls that um you know decent balls, but yeah they're ones that probably uh, you know in another t- day or time they'd probably try to. Keep them out and potentially let the ball go, but it's so hard when the ball's moving around both ways to get your judgment right every single time. But um, you know, that's part of the role sometimes, and they'll get an opportunity no doubt in the second innings where the conditions will be different and potentially they get a chance to, to get a big score. But um, they've both been excellent in this series, and yes, they unfortunately just was a tough day for openers.
4: It's well, the last two series, in fact, between Australia and England, Kat, have, have been really tough for the openers, and you can. Probably relate because it 's when the ball 's moving so much and you 've got cloud overhead it 's a difficult proposition and it, in that premise, do you think that Marcus Harris was harshly judged by or was he just in the wrong place at the wrong time, given what Kawaja did up in Sydney? yeah look
9: I, yeah look, I think um, everyone will speculate that you know maybe as a specialist opener he could have played, but I think you know he 's had plenty of opportunities too, and, and this is the hard part is that when someone comes in and scores 200 in one test when there's only been five in the series Um, across, you know, four tests. It just, it was a remarkable effort by Kawaja and particularly in Sydney too where it was tricky conditions there. Whilst he didn't open the batting, he still faced the second new ball and he got a lot of his runs in the first innings, um, you know, from that second new ball onwards. So the thing is, that that happens at times where you know Marcus Harris has been dropped, but I'm sure that you know if he goes away makes plenty of shield runs he's still young enough to fight his way back in the team but you know at this level, if you don't convert and he hasn't he hasn't got a test hundred yet after thirteen tests that the the doubts start to creep in uh, within his own game and his own mind, and he just needs to be able to grab that next opportunity and make sure that he gets the bigger scores because he's been he's been okay this summer he certainly hasn't failed there's no doubt he's been consistent getting starts but Ultimately, as a top six batsman, you've got to get hundreds, and particularly at test level, there's someone else ready to grab your spot if you don't make the most of it.
3: So I'm watching the the coverage last night uh, on 7, and, and Ricky Ponting and yourself were speaking about how – the English bowled to Travis Head, and early on in his innings, he got he got hit a couple of times early. But the temptation with the pink ball and the green wicket was to keep pitching up, and he just kept knocking them through the covers. Should they have gone to the the short pitch bowling and stuck to it a little bit more with Travis Head?
9: Yeah, well, this is the problem they've got with their attack at the moment is they they're lacking a lot of firepower. I'm the only one that's got the sort of capacity to bowl over one hundred and forty k's and really ruffle up some of the Australian batsmen is Mark Wood. And he's been excellent in this series, but found it tough yesterday in those conditions uh, because of, I guess, the skiddy trajectory he's got and, and the fact that he was asked to probably bowl a bit like the other bowlers to, to pitch up and move it and, and try and get some, you know, movement off the seam. And, and that didn't really work for him early. He got clubbed for, I think, 31 runs of his first three overs. But when he did go in sort of short and into Travis Head's blind spot, sort of over the wicket, into his ribs, There was a couple of balls he took his eye off and sort of gloved the ball down into the leg side. And, you know, two balls out of a spell is not enough when you can see that the batsman hasn't really enjoyed that line of length. And, you know, you only have to look at his his scoring wagon wheel to realise that they bowled, you know, gave him way too much width. I mean, Travis Head does like to stay leg side of the ball and he just carves the ball through offside. That's his strength. And I don't think England certainly did enough planning on that and, and they just fed his strength and he was too good yesterday. It was a magnificent knock given the circumstances of Australia being three for 12 and then the conditions that were presented early on. But the way that he and uh, initially Marnus Labashain counterattacked, it was just brilliant to watch and it was really instinctive batting um, once they, they realised the conditions were, were better in their favour in the second, uh, you know, the second part of the first session.
4: Here's one for you. Um, it's an article by Dan Cherney on, on codesports.com.au. Nick Davis obviously mentions everywhere he, where he works all the time, so I'm going to <laughs> mention where I work now as well. Um, he, he's come up with the uh, the question of who's man of the series at the moment, and it's a, it's a really tricky one because Mitchell Stark's been outstanding with the ball. Um, Uzi has only played now his second test. Travis Head was good at the Gabba. Backs it up here in Hobart, but missed the test because he went for a drink. When he um, regretfully went for a drink and missed a, a test <laughs> match, where does it where does it lie with you at the moment about who who uh, would be man of the series?
9: Yeah, I mean, it's, there's still plenty to play out in this test, but um, you know, it's, it's a tough one. I think it's a good problem to have. That Australia have got so many contributors in this series. Um, with bat and ball, I mean Labuschagne's been excellent. Warner's done an excellent job. Whilst he hasn't got a hundred, he's made some critical knocks at the top of the order and you know laid the platform. I think Kawaja's come in; he's been magnificent. Travis Head's had a superb summer and probably found you know the template for how he needs to go about his batting at Test level. I think everyone that's watched him at Shield level has seen this side of him and how he tries to dominate Shield attacks. But he's now doing it here in these conditions, so he's right up there because yesterday's knock just completely swung the momentum of the Test match. Um, Mitchell Stark's been brilliant. Pat Cummins has been brilliant, not only with the ball, but also a skipper. Um, I'm trying to think. And Nathan Lyon's been pretty good at times. It's yeah. just really tough. Scott Boland has been magnificent, and he's only played two tests so far, and he's got an opportunity to do well down here as well. So, yeah, I think Australia would be very, very pleased with where they're at. But I think they also would know that there's some bigger challenges coming up uh, in the subcontinent because... Whilst England are very good at home, they've been poor this series away, and they've got a huge amount of issues in their Test team at the moment. So yeah. I think Australia will realise that and and know that there's plenty more work to be done.
4: Yeah, England need the paddock, big style, the the spell. Um, it, just on that, you, you look back to the last Ashes series, and it was Steve Smith with the bat with a bit from Marnus, and it was Pat Cummins with the ball. But apart from that, the 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 spread of of class moments within each contest wasn't quite there as opposed to this series where the, the spread of depth is is a lot better. And it feels like, I don't know, about 18 months ago, you were really worried about the depth of Australia's batting lineup, especially when Smith and Warner weren't there. And now all of a sudden there's guys pushing, pushing, and then the bowling stocks have got better and better with guys like Scotty Boland um, popping up.
9: Yeah, and, and even Jai Richardson, who got the fight for in Adelaide, he's a very good young prospect. Michael Nisa certainly... Did okay there as well so there's there is good depth i think the big challenge is like i think everyone knows that in these conditions we have a big advantage and our players love playing at home and that's great and that's how it should be but i think the next challenge for this group is to be able to transform that away overseas where you know conditions aren't in in their favor particularly with the batting against spin or or the bowlers with you know lower slower wickets and not the same mm-hmm. sort of bounce that they get here in australia so that's the challenge for this group, and I'm sure that they're going to be up to it because it's a really good young group of and, and experienced players as well.
3: Simon, how do you see this first uh, session of day two going down there in Tassie? Is the sun shining? What 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 are we expecting? And did you was the rain down there last night enough to you know force them off the field? I thought they probably could have kept going.
9: Yeah, they probably could have. It was only sort of light, and then I guess the hard part is you know, the bowling team's always probably going to complain about the ball getting wet. But I just think in, in this day and age, you know what, if it gets wet after five overs, make sure the umpires allow the bowling team to have a bit of leeway and get another ball out there that's dry. it. So at least then the crowd get to see the action. And I think there's ways around that sort of drizzle. Um, and if both teams get the same sort of courtesy from the umpires, then I think it's, it's fair for both. Um, at the moment, it's still really cloudy. And I think there's forecast a few sort of showers later but um, yeah let's hope that we get more action I think Australia in a really good position um, the ball's nearly I think it's about 60 overs old so you know they've got a, a good chance to really make the most of the, the next sort of 20 overs with the ball not really doing too much um, because it, it looked pretty good batting conditions once they got set last night and and then uh, we know that if you have a new ball on this, uh, this wicket it could be a tricky sort of period so particularly when the lights come on later, I think uh, the England openers might have their work cut out. So uh, it should be another really good day of Test cricket.
4: I agree. I I trust Novak Djokovic to self-isolate more than I would the English batting line-up to um, be able to get through a tough (laughs) period. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Simon Cadditch, looking forward to the call later on on SEN around the country. Um, Go well, mate. Enjoy day two.
9: Thanks. Thanks very much, guys.
4: Off to a quick break. And... uh, Time for Tristan Merlihan to join us after the break. Thanks to topsport.com.au. You're at the Mowers Club, the Saturday Morning Mowers Club. Thanks to Toro Mowers.
2: You need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Yes, welcome back. The Djokovic saga continues. A bit more information released out of why Alex Hawke, the Immigration Minister, Nick Davis, uh, kicked out. Novak Djokovic last night has gone to appeal and will be heard tomorrow morning. Uh, the statement said, given Mr Djokovic's high-profile status and position as a role model in the sporting and broader community, his ongoing presence in Australia may foster similar disregard for the precautionary requirements following receipt of a positive COVID test in Australia.
1: Mm.
4: Given that he didn't isolate after he found out that uh, yeah he was positive. So... Anyway, um, Tristan Merlihan joins us right now from topsport.com.au, home of the best multis. Download the Top Sport app today. We had Nick's stupid multi earlier today. And uh, Tristan, I'm sure you'll be able to withstand that because it's not going to come off, unfortunately, for the, um, the good people, the <laughs> Cancer Council, in terms of a uh, donation. But, um, mate, uh, I've picked one out. Um, you happy for me to go with uh, my pick for today?
5: Absolutely. Looking forward to hearing it, and I'm sure everyone's listening to plunge in at the best of the best product.
4: Yeah, I'm going to go uh, big day, of course, at Rose Hill. Um, Not. It's all up the Gold Coast, but I've (laughs) gone Rose Hill anyway. Race nine, uh, number nine, Olympic legend
5: legend yeah so that's um that's been on the drift a little bit six dollars out, 8.50 so we'll put it on best of the best because it definitely could get out to a it'll keep drifting now one first up <laughs> one, one first up last start we know les bridges is a reasonably good uh trainer too so he could, could be prime for a win barrier one as well which is uh definitely on the bunny there so yeah race nine number nine olympic legend straight on the nose adam
4: of course yes and live ones <laughs> Very good. Well, it's not my money, so... (laughs) Mate, uh, Uh,
5: we'll lock lock that in best of the best. So all done and we'll have that for the Cancer Council. And, yeah, let's see if we can uh, raise some cash.
4: Any big moves, especially the Gold Coast today? We'll we'll start with the horses. We'll get to the sport in a moment. But uh, any decisive moves in the market?
5: Yeah there's been a really big go for the favorite in the in the millions just over the last hour since we last spoke. So obviously a big race like this we we bet pretty sizable of limit so it takes a bit to knock off the the price in the, in these races. We got out to a, as high as $2.35 about Coolangatta. Uh we're in under the even money mate now. It's been absolutely whack. So I was sort of thinking the horse might have drifted but in from 235 into 195. So it looks like the punters are going to step in and take that. We've got our best of the best product running on this meeting for, for big limits on it. So all the punters going straight for the favourites. So we'll be hoping for an outsider to get the result. Um, as we touched on, uh, we, we got had, had that tip earlier in the, in the day, which is race four at number seven, Snap Dancer. I think that's going to be very, very hard to beat. And another one at odds, if someone wants to have a little play each way odds early in the day. Uh, race one, number one, Ambitious Spirit, $17 into 11. I think it's going to be very hard to beat there. Maiden Plate, they normally have not primed to go. It's run two good seconds. Tony Golan Yard, um, I think it's going to be a very, very good each way play. So have a look at that one. Race one, number one, the money's founded as well, 17 to 11.
4: There you go. Nick?
3: Uh, Tristan, we'll stick it to Golko. The three-year-old Magic uh, Millions there. Uh, a bit more of an open race than the two-year-old.
5: Oh, absolutely! It's it's one of the best betting races I've seen for a long time, and um, we've got a new favourite, Starman. Number six has been nine dollars into five. It's been very, very well supported. Jamia was the early favourite. It's five fifty out to six, um, and then race a uh, number three, King of Sparta's five out to seven. So we're struggling to find who's going to start favourite. I like one at big odds down the bottom, number thirteen, Shihonka. Thirteen dollars out to fifteen. I, I think it's, uh, it should be. I should think it should be single figures. And Mimi Lagarde, fourteen dollars into thirteen as well, as a good each way chance. But looks a beauty. I think mean, everyone's got so many differing opinions on this race, and just be interesting to see how the track's playing. As we we touched on earlier, I think it should be playing very fairly. But uh, just watch the first couple of races just to see if there's any trends there. Trist, uh,
3: moving to Flemington, uh, the Standish handicap. Uh, bit of a shift in the program here. It's been pushed back a little bit later in the month, but a couple of straight track. Um, specialist, the astrologist, and Hal Vorson uh, topped the weights there.
5: Yeah, and it's been absolutely smashed, the astrologist. It's $6 into four, so punters are one way traffic for that runner. I think the three is a bit of value at odds with Damien Lane in the saddle first up to Rath, so out to 7 there. But yeah, it's been well found. The other one that they've been coming for at the best of the best is It's Our Time, number 10 four eighty into four twenty as well. But really good good meeting at Flemington and um, back on that straight track as you say. It's always captivating viewing but Hal as well is always an exciting horse to watch.
3: Anything else wide around the country there? We're able to uh tip the winners into a a bit of a, a long shot winner uh on New Year's Day. Anything else um wide in the around the country for anyone out there. Has yeah, Trent got well, anything?
5: We we do know that the winners pay the same if they're at Flemington or in this instance Tumut. So let's go to Tumut, race three, number nine, and it's been absolutely smashed. Three uh, 550 into 350. I think uh, I'm looking at its form line now: nine nine six five nine six five. So the form line isn't it's a great, number. but the fact that the money's come for it, Nick Olive Camp, I think probably knows what they're doing, sending it out to Tumut. So. Um, I would be anchoring a few of your multis through that one. That is race three, number nine. I'm not going to have a. I'm going to have a crack at pronouncing. I'm not sure if I'm right. Ringing Gau, I think it's called. So that, that, that's our wide, uh, wide bet of the day. I don't think you can get much wider than two Hang,
4: you, hang so on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang absolutely a minute. cannot. Put the handbrake on just for a second. We are sitting here talking about racing and tumut right now. Are
5: we? <laughs> we, we are, are that and, desperate and to try and we find be- a winner. We'll be talking in four hours 15. I hope I get a text message in four hours of 15 that, that you found us a winner, very wide at tournament because I'm very confident about this one.
3: Just with the thumbs up emoji or the money bags emoji. <laughs> That's what you want. or or Jeez combined Apple, with, with apples a, apples or combined with a with a food emoji.
4: Or <laughs> uh, the not the uh, not the sick beat green face just about to hold in a bit of vom uh, emoji, which is uh, yeah, very much apparent on a day like today as well. Switch focus to sport, mate. Um, Firstly, the tennis. So, with the Australian Open and mm. the men's singles in particular, of
5: thick face emojis.
4: Yes. Well, <laughs> what do you do with what have you got the market at the moment, or you just put a big hold on it until we find out if the guy's going to play or not?
5: Yeah. Well, that, that it's been as interesting and as entertaining as a saga. I know a lot of people have found the last couple of weeks. It's been a nightmare to price. So we've had. A variety of... Uh, I was, I'm, I'm still unsure what's going to happen with if he's out, who who play. I think they're switching the seeds around. It's an absolute nightmare. So, at the moment, we have the outright betting up where Medvedev is the $2.60 favourite. Novak, defi- despite probably not playing, but we're still not sure, is the second pick at $3. Obviously, you get your money back if he doesn't play. But, yeah. um, yes, it's very interesting where to price him. Zerev is $4.00. Rafa has been a big firm. He's been $14 into nine. Sissipas, uh, $26. And for all the Aussie fans out there, uh, Nick Kyrgios is the shortest of the Aussies at 200 to one, as well as Diminar at 200 to one as well, with Alex Popperin at 251. And Kokanakis on the back of that good run, he's 251 as well. But... For all Aussie fans, we look at the, the lady side of the draw, where Ash Barty is the $4 favourite to win the Aussie Open on the women's side. She's the clear favourite in front of Osaka, who's at 8.52nd pick. Mugurusa at 12, Swiatek 12, Halep 15, Bardosa at 16. So, being a lot more confidence in setting our markets on the women's side of the draw, but the, uh, the men's, we're still trying to work out how where we can position it.
4: Yeah, I've got... If Novak doesn't play, even if Novak plays, I'd almost say Medvedev, but if Novak doesn't play, I can't see how Medvedev doesn't win the whole thing.
5: One I like, at a bit of value for... I I sort of, and and I agree with you, I think Medvedev's the best player in the draw at the moment, and it's just funny how, particularly with these interrupted preparations, I always like looking for a bit of value in, in the first major of the year. Yannick Sinner at $31. I think he's got a massive game. I think he's a young player on the up. I, I, I think he's going to have a really big year this year. So maybe just keep an eye on him as well at Big Odds.
4: He's getting better. I just wouldn't trust him for seven straight five-set matches just yet in terms of winning the whole thing. But if you can back him to make a quarter or a semi or something like that or just kind of re- reinvest every win that he has in the first week, I don't think you can be too far off the mark.
5: Mm, no, exactly.
4: Um Yeah, we're getting more reports, and we're going to speak to Brett Phillips shortly about uh, more on the Novak Djokovic situation and the Australian Open as a whole. SEN's tennis guru Uh, Ashes cricket, the market. What's it? uh, How's it sit after day one?
5: Yeah, the Aussies are still very short. They were obviously uh, in a lot of trouble there early in the first session, but now they're a dollar thirty-eight. The draw is five dollars sixty in England, six twenty-five. So Aussies very short at the moment. Uh, It's probably going to be interesting how they go in this first session because. We know how difficult it is to bat in that first session. So um, the, uh, the the total runs at the moment is 324.5, where the unders is $1.71 and the overs is 210. So expecting the Aussies to get around about the 315 mark, I would suggest. So hmm. they put 315 up. England might not be able to score that over two digs.
4: No. No, I, I, you would not trust them to score 600 runs in this match. No way in the world. So if Australia get that, they win the match pretty much. You dare say that there's going to be... Forty wickets taken overall on that deck, Nick Davis.
3: Yeah, it was good for, as I said, the, the curator to just throw some stumps uh, in the middle of the, in the middle of the uh, of in, of the overland somewhat mower a cricket pitch. Some of our mowers could have done a better job. But Tris, before we go, just let's just go through the uh, quickly the the odds for the NFL. The playoffs start this week.
5: Yeah, cracking week of football. Before we do the odds for the games, let's have a quick look at the Super Bowl betting because yes, uh, it, it's one of the most wide-open races I've seen for a long time. The Packers are favourites, four fifty. Obviously, the week off this week. Kansas were absolutely dead and buried six weeks into the season. Now they're five fifty-second pick. Tampa at eight fifty. I'm seeing a few reports they might have a few players out this weekend. Eight dollars fifty. Tennessee, King Henry back. They're they're on the up. Eight dollars fifty. Buffalo nine dollars. The Rams eleven. Your team, the LA Raiders, at $51. And then having Ooh. a look at a few of those games, um, the Raiders, as we touched on, are 294 underdogs against Cincinnati. The line's five and a half there. I think this is going to be a really close game. Um, obviously, the Bengals are young side on the up. I think they're going to be very, very competitive over the next couple of years. But, you know, they haven't won a finals game for a long, long, long time. The Raiders on the back of that big win will be hoping they can get over the top of them. Um, but the game I'm looking forward to tomorrow is the Patriots and the Bills. Yep. 84, The Patriots at 44, The Bills and the Lions, four and a half. Uh, we know when they played last time, the conditions weren't great. No, they weren't. And uh, the Patriots just got a result. it would be interesting how they shape up. What's your thoughts on that one, Nick?
3: No, just looking, if I was going to have an investment on topsport.com.au in this, I'd be the under 44. Uh, both uh, defensive teams and I think in Buffalo, the conditions are going to be quite chilly. So uh, I'd, be, um, I'd be on the unders here.
5: I think that's a good. I think it was a nine-three scoreline or something last time they met as well. So yep. definitely, uh, definitely the form line there. The game on uh, Monday morning. It's great. We have got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday action this weekend. Uh, San Fran two thirty-four, Dallas a dollar sixty-two. I think San Fran are massive overs. I thought they agree. would be close to favourites. Mm. So I know Copes would agree with that. And a flat line of three. And then the last game which you've got in your multi, Arizona at two dollars sixty-one against the LA Rams at a dollar fifty-one. Matty Stafford, um, he's switched over to the Rams after leaving the juggernaut of the Detroit Lions, <laughs> so it'll be difficult for him to uh, to aim up in this new-look new, new look team. But they've got some good signings. It'll be interesting how they go, because Arizona were the, the team to beat all year, and then they've just stumbled in the last month. But the Rams have done something similar. So I, I think they're, they're good value as well, the cards, because you just don't know which side's going to turn up for each, either of these two out, outfits. So I'd rather be on the roughy in that instance.
4: Agree. Tristan, we'll leave it there, mate. Um, and one for the punters as well. If you're looking at a football uh, bet as well, Aston Villa against Manchester. Be nil or draw. Get on Villa on that one. Nil so, draw. Aston uh, Villa
5: against yeah. Well, they're two dollars eighty-eight against Manu. Manu two forty-one in the draw three forty. So there's been some very sharp football mail coming out of the Adam Peacock camp. So listeners should chime into that. Two dollars eighty-eight. We've got all the Asian handicap markets, all the uh, player markets. So jump on that if you're a football fan.
4: Haven't failed once yet for a Nick's stupid um, multi-leg in terms of football, but do you think I've got a thanks? You are kidding yourself. Tristan Merlihan from topsport.com.au. Thanks for joining us, mate. Have a good Saturday. Thanks, guys. Back in a moment with Brett Phillips to talk tennis.
2: Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Been a pretty quiet lead-in to the Australian Open with not many stories uh, worth talking about in the news in terms of especially the big players. Novak Djokovic, of course, I jest. He's uh, in court again this morning. There's bits and pieces coming out about the... It's a procedural meeting this morning and then 9.30 tomorrow. Apparently, he'll be up in front of the federal court to state his case of appeal after winning the appeal first time and then they went to a second set, and we'll see if he can take that one as well. It does feel like a best-of-three match. Brett Phillips all over it. the first serve. SEN, Australian Open, great time of year. There's so much to talk about, which is a shame because it seems three out of every four tennis articles at the moment is about one player in particular. So we'll we'll chalk this one off at the top, PP. Novak, the last 24 hours, what's your take?
7: Yeah, look... (laughs) Adam, uh, just when you you know you think it's going to go one way, uh, there's, there's been lots of twists and turns uh, this week. Uh, that's for sure. and um, Lots of uh, detail coming out in the end. I think you know with the revelations that you know came out, what was that Wednesday? You probably weren't surprised that the immigration minister was uh, going to make the call. We were just curious as to the timing to revoke the visa for a second time. I think we knew that the legal challenge would come immediately. Uh, from the Djokovic camp. And as you said, it's playing out as we speak. It'll play out over the weekend. and uh, You know, I mean, look, everyone that I sort of chat to now around that sort of, the, the you know, the legal side uh, think that the government now have got a, a case they can't lose. But who knows? I mean, Novak uh, has got a history of, you know, certainly things in adversity going his way. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, look, it's taken... You know, certainly the the spotlight away from the tournament, from, uh, you know, pumping up Ash Barty to talk about, the you know, the great qualifying matches yesterday, uh, what's happening in Sydney and Adelaide. There's some great tennis, Kokanakis lighting things up around midnight last night. So there's a lot to look forward on the tennis front, but, yeah, clearly being overshadowed by the Novak situation.
3: Brent, at what stage is enough enough? Obviously, we, we might get the government going, well, that's it, Novak, you're out, but... In regards to and we've seen footage from the the drones and the helicopters of him of him hitting it at Melbourne Park. There comes a point where in, where his preparation has to be compromised as well, even if he does get an opportunity to to play in this tournament.
7: Yeah, that's the hard one to yeah totally measure um, in terms of Djokovic and his prep. I mean, obviously, you know he's gone to much uh, or post Monday uh, when he. Um, he, he won the case. Uh, he, he's gone to you know, the much uh, nicer accommodation than where where he was. He's been training at Melbourne Park each day. He's had his uh, chef cook his meals. So, you know, it's been, uh, apart from this guy on in the background, It'd be, it's sort of like an, an almost normal type week for Djokovic in terms of you know, the amount of practice he would have it at the courts and the gym. And, um, yeah, being in Melbourne, acclimatising mentally. I mean, this guy, yeah, clearly has shown that he's... Uh, a very strong resilient character and I suppose that goes back to you know growing up in a really tough country as a young child in Serbia when there was a war going on so you know he's, he's had to face a lot of adverse moments and I, th- I think it probably spurs him on and he's so determined to fight this I mean most people uh, yesterday were saying maybe Novak just just take your bags and concede this year but he knows what's on the line and he's prepared to fight it and He's been steadfast about his beliefs, even though, um, you know, <laughs> what, 99% of the universe is probably uh, against him right Right now. But, yeah, well, um, if, if he does get to the start line, uh, it'd be a huge effort, wouldn't it? Just to, you know, on the back go and win the tournament in two weeks' time. Um, yeah, so much to play out.
4: Uh, we're talking to Brett Phillips, um, host of All Things Tennis here on SEN, thanks to Yonix, who on Today, January 15, launched their new Ezone 7th Generation Tennis Racket crafted for power, head to yonics.com. Um BP, <laughs> the the absolute antithesis of the preparation for Novak Djokovic is the preparation for the world number one in the women's draw in Ash Barty, who <clears throat> has just seamlessly got herself right for this Australian Open. Now, the draw hasn't been overly kind, especially if we think it's going to pan out the way it has with the fourth round encounter, but can you think of anything that she hasn't been able to tick off ahead of her home open?
7: No, it looks good. Adam came home at the perfect time at the end of last year. Had some quality time with family. Her and Craig got to work. Good training block in beautiful weather in Queensland, um, Adelaide. She just got better and better, played really good tennis, didn't need to play Sydney, obviously, having the deep run, winning the singles and doubles in Melbourne this week. She looks relaxed. She's fine tuning her game. Look, uh, she wants to desperately win the Australian Open. And, you know, that, that semi last year, even though, you know, she and other, other tennis players move on pretty quickly, and and uh, it, it would still be one that would burn away that she wants to make amends, amends for. And looking at that draw, um, yeah, I think, you know, Osaka look that you know, we look at that as a, the potential fourth round. I, I still think there's some work for Naomi to do to, to get to that fourth round because, you know, you've got um Benchich in there, uh you've got Anna Samova who's uh, won a tournament, Darren Kale in her corner. You know, Benchich obviously been top ten. So I, I don't think it's an absolute uh, given that Naomi maybe gets to the fourth round because she needs to get some matches under her belt and and she could be, you know, maybe exposed uh, early in the tournament, and from there, yeah, you know, you've got Onjabur, you've got Sakari to deal with, you've got um, Krejcikova and, and Bardosa who are uh, you know, playing in a final in in Sydney later on uh, today as a possible semi-final matchup. So, yeah, the path won't be uh, certainly easy. I think the first three rounds, I'm pretty comfortable that yeah, you should be able to tick those boxes, and then it'll come down to execution on the day, as we saw in that semi-final last year where it went from being uh, a game-set match to just leaving the door open and it was a, a bit of a meltdown. So, yeah, well, uh, yeah, one game at a time. But I think we feel pretty confident, Adam, about Ash this year that she's uh, cherry ripe.
3: BP, one of the big comebacks, and I saw, and God bless his mum, tweeted about him, Andy Murray. God love his... Uh, the comeback there, uh, the resurrection, uh, finals and whatnot, what does the Australian Open hold for Andy Murray?
7: I, I think it's great, Nick. Um Watching Andy, you know, he's he's the ultimate competitor, and you know just a, just a, a a really good voice in tennis right now. You know I, I enjoy listening to Andy speak about uh, more than just his game, about you know the issues, about the state of the game. And I think we we do enjoy you know those players when they get into that sort of elder statesman uh, part of their career. Uh, they they enjoy sharing their views. They, Enjoy sort of you know mentoring that next generation as well. So, you know, he's a guy that, yes, might have uh, not always carried the, uh, uh, the most exciting public uh, persona, but he's uh, a guy very popular on the tour, popular in the locker room, and you'd love to see him uh, have some success uh, however long he's got left in his career. He's very determined to bow out on his own terms. And, geez, uh, <laughs> he's had to play some big-time tennis in Sydney Uh, this week but that's that's you've actually got to blow Andy off the court otherwise he just makes you play ball after ball and he's still you know such a smart strategic tennis player so yeah for a guy that's uh, been a five-time runner-up at the AO you wouldn't begrudge him having a fairytale victory in Melbourne although you know it's yeah it's gonna be gonna be pretty tough
3: and mate you spoke about the the qualifiers who there has impressed you is there anyone there that can cause an upset in round one of the Australian Open
7: yeah, there's a, a guy, uh, the lefty from Argentina, uh, Alejandro Tabilo, who I saw up at the ATP Cup, who I think uh, is a player that is really, really on the rise. Um, it's coming uh, thick and fast, so that, that's a good story getting through to the main draw. He obviously played a lot of uh, a lot of his tennis on clay and uh, trying to become a good hard quarter and a good, you know, a good player on uh, all surfaces. It was, uh, gee, it was cruel for Matty Ebden uh, last night. It's his whole Djokovic. Uh, story was uh, developing and um you know updating by the hour he's uh late on a friday night uh, three tiebreakers goes down cruelly it would have been great to see him get into the main draw um but yeah that young Tabilo was uh, was terrific and i actually watched kim birrell yesterday who went down to uh, uh harriet Dart, who's a magnificent player from uh, great britain uh, who we've seen around for a little while uh, she uh, she actually played some great tennis and yeah, She's one that I think could certainly win a couple of rounds.
4: Um, overall tip, BP. So I'm on Medvedev and more hoping for Barty, but the, the women's draw is so open. I reckon one of 20 can win it. A bit like the US Open. What about yourself? Yep.
7: Yeah, Medvedev is a standout. Um, depending where Djokovic, you know, how that plays out. But I think, yeah, Medvedev ahead of Zverev and. And sitsi pass Rublev Berrettini, uh, they're, they're coming. But I think Medvedev, no doubt, is uh, is hungry for more, and he's, he stacks up on a hard court. Uh, as far as the women go, yeah, Maria Sakari, I think two semi-finals last year. She's a very, very driven individual who's absolutely getting the best out of her ability. So I feel like she is one that you know could certainly go really deep, and, and you know maybe even be a chance to upset Barty. Uh, along the journey, so yeah, you know, I really rate her game. Sabalinka, we'll see how she comes in. I mean, I know Adelaide was a bit horrendous last week, all the double faults and the meltdown and the tears. I mean, she's highly emotional at the best of times, but I feel like she can sort of park that and get into the groove of a slam because she's been knocking right on the door, so I, I don't discount her.
4: Brett Phillips, really appreciate your time. Uh, look forward to hearing plenty of you on SEN over the next couple of weeks, mate. Um, enjoy the Open.
7: Thank you, gents. Good Mm -hmm. to
4: chat. Brett Phillips joining us. uh, Thanks to Yonix, who on today, January 15, will launch their new E-Zone 7th generation tennis racket crafted for power. Head to yonix.com. Back in a moment to wrap up the Mowers Club.
2: Whether you need to trim, blow, cut or mow, there's a Toro for everyone. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis.
4: Welcome back to the Mowers Club. To wrap things up today, just a last word about the Djokovic hearing, which has gone on this morning, 9.30 tomorrow morning. It seems like, Nick, the the big reason why Alex Hawke, the Immigration Minister, said no is because they're fearful that Djokovic is going to stir up the anti-vax movement in Australia while he's here.
3: There's not many of them left, though, is there? Oh, there's a few. They're noisy. Yeah. Empty vessels make the loudest noise, mate. <laughs> <Thanks. coughs> there's a bit of
4: philosophising for you on a uh, Saturday morning. Didn't really think that Nick Davis would go down the philosophical line, but um, hey, there's surprises everywhere in the world right now, and there's another one. There's the latest. Gibbo, can you pump our tyres up um, by reading the text line, if possible, if there is things to pump our tyres up with?
6: Absolutely, there is. Davo and Adam, we've got a great <laughs> text. I, I didn't, I wanted to say this while Barry was on the line, but Rod from Nara, great, great supporter of the show. Gow beat you last time and will bash you over three minutes. <laughs> three minute rounds, you flog Rod from Nara. <laughs> oh, 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 I mean, so Rod wouldn't look, say that to his yeah, face. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, usually Rod calls in, but he, he didn't call in with this text. Uh, we also got Paul. Good morning, gentlemen. I dislocated two fingers, saving a penalty at the age of 51. Earlier, you were talking about <laughs> social support injuries. <laughs> oh, I like that. But um, I know you guys are going to enjoy this text from Glenn. Best analysis of the Novak debacle. Yep, boys, well done. After all the BS on MSN in the past couple of weeks, it's taken a couple of mowers to nail it. So there we, you go, lads. Tyres of course, we're not
4: popped. mainstream because not enough people listen to us. So.
6: We've also got a little bit <laughs> got an tip. email as well. Yeah, we got an email. That, that's... I think straight from HR right there. Hillstorm, <laughs> Philadelphia Storm, Billy Slater's horse, Flemington Race 2, number three. Cheers. So we've also got some WBWs oh. out for the listeners.
4: Did you say Hillstorm or Hillsong?
6: Um, <laughs> uh, we don't mention that on this show, okay. Adam. That's 12 to 2, Jace Matthews Sports Central will be Hillsong <laughs> Central. But that is Hillstorm. Are you hosting that? Uh, uh. Oh, geez. I- I'd say hosting would be a, a long bow. Uh, I'm I'm just pressing the buttons, trying to press the right buttons, and yeah, it'll be great. Twelve to two on your radio.
4: What's on this afternoon, Nicholas? Um not a lot. Not a lot. I uh I avoided
3: the How's uh Miami's hammy? sore. Miami <laughs> is still sore. How do you,
4: pull, how do, you do a hamstring uh, water ski?
3: Well um it was poetry on water. Oh, some yeah. some may uh Evidently Some may <laughs> – I'm working my way up the ranks of the water skiing world, and you know the the, <laughs> the, the one ski, Deep water start, and I just sort of <laughs> <laughs> I folded when I should have bent.
4: <laughs> is that a video?
3: Please tell no, me there's a video. Don't. And the crew oh. actually, the and you would have seen the uh, the lovely lawn that was uh, that was posted down there at Lake Conjola. There's been some bo- there's been a bit of bogging action down the bottom <laughs> down the bottom. So mm-hmm. the the Crips team are on their way down to Lake Conjola at the moment. So I uh, I dodged that. But I, look, I would have been nice to get back in the water and, and continue on my uh, my skiing adventures, but no, I'm out for a little mm. bit and I didn't realize it was that sore until I went to put up a bomb at kick catch at Roosters on Monday. I went, ooh, gee whiz. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little more than a
4: strain. Gone. Gone. What right about yourself? You got doubles uh, tennis to call down? Going to tennis. I'm actually doing the doubles after you hammered it early on in your yeah, nah. You're basically yeah, nah to a way of playing tennis, but no, I'm doing that in Adelaide and then head to Melbourne tomorrow for the Australian Open. So looking forward to that. So I will be in the Melbourne studio next week. Not with you again, but we've done this remotely. And apart from the first 10 minutes, I think it's worked pretty well, has it not? The first 10 minutes, I was doing it by myself, and it was great. (laughs) Highest rating moment of the the whole show as well. People tune in at 9 o'clock to see what rubbish we come up with. So uh, thanks for joining us today, wherever you've been listening, on the SEN app or on SEN 1170. But uh, yeah, plenty more Mowers Club Club to come in 2022. And uh, looking forward to getting back to my lawn in a couple of weeks' time, because... um, I've got a feeling I'm going to have to do it at th- on three <laughs> stages, on three levels, the nine, the six, and then the maybe three to finish it off as well. Yeah, you might need the quad and then, cut. Yeah, the uh, the nitrogen has made it. Take off, which is a good sign. Um, you've chosen the song today to say goodbye. Gibbo's about to hit play on it. What is it, Nick? I have, and given the fact that you are over in Adelaide, one
3: of the great uh, Adelaide music acts, the Hilltop Hoods uh, will play us out with our pump-up song for Saturday. Good at, uh...
2: Have a good one everyone. Doing, yeah, enjoy Mowers. Mow Catch on. you next week.